Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, Star Trek edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. This is uh, this is episode four of our special report on which Star Trek is best. I wish I'd come up with a name for it. Yeah, well, we already have a name for the podcast. I don't. I don't want to come up with a name for the podcast that we use every other week. I mean, I have yeah, like two sucks. different podcasts. I said from the beginning we should have just two different podcasts. Matt, can you believe this is only week four? Uh, it's um. Well, I guess the more we do, the more likely it seems we're never going to get through them. I mean, we did uh, the math last time, and it was going to take us seven years to get through all of them, so. Yeah, at this rate. Yeah. Doesn't seem uh, wait, like can that even be right? Yeah, I guess it is. Well, it's like Oof. 350 weeks or something. Assuming yeah, we don't a, miss any time. That's a terrible amount. <laughs> it's not It's not good. Um. So, geez. I guess the only way to make it go faster is to jump right in, so... Um, yeah, let's let's make let's, it go faster today. Let's talk about this week's original series episode. Uh, this week we watched The Naked Time. Hmm, it's f- very familiar for some reason. Yeah, if you happened to uh, happen to catch our our episode from a couple of weeks ago where we did The Naked Now. Uh, the Next Generation episode, uh, the premise is essentially the same. Right. Uh, the Enterprise stops for a visit at Psi 2000, a planet that is breaking up, um, to visit their research facility there, but the crew have all died of unknown causes. Uh-oh. Uh, then the infection is brought on board the ship, and it becomes a race against the clock. Can McCoy find a cure before the Enterprise disintegrates in the atmosphere? Slow news day! That's. <clears throat> yeah, I wanted to make sure it was clean, so I could you could extract it for a drop. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Britta does in that episode of Community. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, this episode. Um, I got to be honest. I had a very hard time finding an overriding theme or concept. Yeah. Did you have um, similar difficulty? Yeah, some to be sure. I mean. Essentially, the this episode makes its uh, makes its mark by getting all of the crew members uh, drunk, and then their flamboyant inner personalities come out and cause trouble. Sure, entertaining as all get out. Um, but they're not really tackling like a big issue here. No. Um, I, I gave it a two on take on concept. Uh. uh and the what was that take that you identified? So, uh, I didn't even bother cleaning it up after I shared it with you, because I feel like uh, the long rambly version makes it clear just how hard it was to come up with. Uh, in space, the line between life and death is, fi- is fine, and you must keep complete control and professionalism in order to survive. That's all I had. Space is dangerous. Yeah. 
I mean, yes, so... Uh, That's not really much of a concept. What I wrote was, uh, space is full of infinite unknowns and will always be dangerous? Ugh, boy, that's not much of a concept. Which I gave a three, and frankly, uh, Spock helped me with that one. Because <laughs> he said Cause, things like that? Yeah, because they say that, you know, the biofilters, or whatever they call them, the decontamination scan ruled out everything they know yeah but but then spock straight up says that space is full of infinite unknowns yeah spock i love his comment going into the opening credits it's like nothing we've ever encountered before and i was like based on just based on (laughs) based on his uh, just immediate observations i mean he just he knew it he just knew immediately that it was like nothing they'd ever encountered. Uh, yeah. yeah. And um, we did get notes again from Ben this week. Oh, did he have uh, any better luck? He, um, did I tell you that I gave that concept a three? Oh, okay. So I gave it a two, you gave it a three. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, his concept is the question, is man meant to be in space? I do think that's a better way. That's a better way to look at it than what I did. Also known as weird shit in space, he wrote. And what'd he give it, just out of curiosity? He rates that a seven. What? But, uh, spoiler alert, he rated this episode very highly. Alright. That's worth a seven? Jesus. Isn't that every episode of Star Trek the original? So far it has been. I mean, largely. Um, You know, when I was trying to come up with the concept, I thought, well, what the fuck did I have as the concept for the Naked Now? Because it's the same episode. Sure. What did we have for the concept of the uh, now? I don't know what you had for yeah. it because I didn't. I didn't yeah. keep notes uh, of your concept. Right, right, right. Oh, uh, it turns out I don't have my notes anymore. All right, well there you go. Um, but I believe that if you went back and listened to the tape, uh, I suggested that the episode was an attempt to acknowledge the original series. Oh right, A and demonstrate boy. that there was still there were still mysteries out there. Okay. Because the original series solution doesn't work. So I guess that is, uh, that's going to be tough on the TOS one. Because they, they didn't, there's no, I mean, you can't use that concept in TOS. Yeah, that, it didn't apply. Yeah. So that left me stuck. Yeah. Um, All right, so we don't think they took a big swing here. They wanted to make an entertaining episode where people got drunk, right? Is that what we're going for? I think so. Okay. Well, they don't like, get points. Think... You don't get points for not swinging. Yeah, I think they were just like, what if everybody was just drunk all the time and couldn't couldn't do their job and a guy took over the ship? I mean, the shit is beat for beat. Plus, we hired actors. And we should let them act. Yes. Yeah, let's really let them turn it loose. Oh, I wonder how many of them went to the Bill Shatner school of acting. Uh, I assume that he gave like a master class on set I'm hoping. for this episode. I'm hoping every day was like a master class on set. He gets to cry about how he loves his ship Mm -hmm. and how he can't go for a walk on the beach with his ship. (laughs) Do you suppose? So this is exactly the episode that, um, what was it, uh, Futurama makes fun of when he says he loves a ship like a woman? Uh, 100%. Because he literally almost exactly says that. I think we... I was surprised how close he came to actually saying that. I think we address this uh, scenario again mm-hmm. later on. The jizz uh, flowers? I, uh, yes, I feel like... 
I feel like it comes up with when the spores make everybody have emotions. The flowers jizz all over everyone on the ship, and everyone loses their crap except for Kirk, but, who just loves the Kirk ship too much. Keeps it together because he yes, his love for the Enterprise <laughs> is so strong. Um, but yes, there is that scene where someone has kidnapped all of the heads of all of the Star Trek actors that is forcing them to do his fan fiction in Futurama. I should have said. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at one point, William Shatner has to deliver the line. My ship, whom I love like a woman, is <sighs> disabled. <laughs> yeah, he comes very startlingly close to saying that in this. Um, Execution-wise. Um, so given my take on it was something about uh, just like, you have to keep your shit on total lockdown in order to survive just because space is so dangerous. I only gave it a five because even compared to the Enterprise and Next Generation version of this, when they're drunk on this crazy water, it's crazy water that makes them drunk, right? Yes. They seem even more actively and aggressively destructive. Uh, well, yeah, even more than drunk Shimoda true. and little jerk Wesley. Like these people seem like they're committed to killing themselves. Uh, yeah, sort of. I mean... It's not even like they just get a little tipsy and they make some mistakes and shit goes bad. Like, these people seem like they're fucked up. It's similar to what happens with Wesley and Shimoda in that the direct danger comes from the actions of one particularly deranged individual. Mm -hmm. In this case, Irish stereotype... Riley? Kevin Riley? Something like Kevin? that. Yeah. Uh, they didn't go all the way to Padraig or anything like that. <laughs> no, they didn't call him Patty. No, uh, who just barricades himself in the engine room, shuts the engines down entirely, and starts singing Yeah, on the intercom. But um, he was clearly supposed to be Wesley. Wesley was supposed to be him, right? I think he also ordered that dessert was going to be served. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so obviously that's the Wesley parallel. And Wesley, I um, think, uh, I mean, in The Next Generation, Wesley, I think, says that he his new order is that Dessert will follow and or will uh, Pre precede, precede and, and follow, follow every meal. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, I give it a five. On the flip side, Wesley is not the one who takes out the isolinear chips. No, in the in the naked now, so they spread that out a little. Okay, so um, this is another one of these things is where this episode is actually a little better than the version of it that lives in my memory. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's better than the Next Generation episode. I think, just from an enjoyment standpoint, this was my favorite episode of the week. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. This was the one I enjoyed the most. Uh, the thing I liked the least about this, since we're talking about execution, mm. the time travel ending is oh, just a complete boy. throwaway. Yep. Yeah. It's like, the, time the episode warp, wraps up with five minutes to go. <sighs> Their weird solution for getting out of orbit sends them back in time three days. For no reason. Which, by the way, they do by imploding their engines. It's uh, Yes, they make their engines implode. and mm. Imploding is good and exploding is bad. Yep. Uh, then they say, oh, we'll be able to use this to do all kinds of shit. Yeah, and then they forget End it. of episode. Yeah, then they forget they don't write that recipe down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a waste. Like... Was well, this supposed to be a two-parter? And they're just, hey, no part two. They clearly could not come up with a way to actually end it. 
and then it was like they, once they could they... have though the engines just could have worked and they could have pulled out <laughs> right yes like <laughs> there's true. no need for this back in time nonsense yeah and then once they came it's like it was that... five minutes short and they couldn't think anything to do it's like the end of a uh i don't know like one of those hitchcock movies i'm trying to remember which one it was marjan and i watched one one time i don't know if it was <sighs> rear window vertigo i don't know Definitely had Jimmy Stewart, um, but it was not uh, not Rear Window. Um, they get to the like they they've gone on this big long adventure that's full of danger and intrigue, and uh, it literally ends with a ten second scene of the guy getting home, going, "Well, uh, we're home." As uh, well, quite an adventure, and then the movie ends, and you go, "Wait, what? Uh, Wait, why did that happen? It was a two hour movie." Uh, anyway, the other thing I didn't, uh, I thought was, was bad about ex- the execution was the, uh, cheesy-ash mesh biosuits they wore in the first scene. Yeah, why do they got that pattern all over the face mask? Also, hard to see. the guy gets infected and then puts his glove back on, and then Spock comes in and he's like, by the way, keep them gloves on. And the guy's like, yeah, I know, duh. It's like, okay. We didn't really need that, so we knew he did bad. We, like... That guy was like me on the subway, just like rubbing his eyes and his mouth and everything. Oh, yeah. He's definitely, he's going to get pink eye. Trying to get pink eye as hard as he can. He did, like, uh, that. after that blood ran uphill to get on his hand, mm-hmm. uh, he did just, like, stick it right under his biofilter hood and, like, lick it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No yeah. shit, you got infected. Yeah, Marjan and I um, uh, rode the train into San Jose the other day. The um, Caltrain. Uh-huh. And within like five minutes, I had already rubbed both of my eyes. <laughs> I was like, oh, god damn it. I, th- I must do that all day. I must do it like 500 I, times a day, and I only realize it when I'm on public transportation. After touching a greasy metal pole, mm-hmm. you immediately rubbed your eyes. Yep, get yep. on, touch everything on the train, and then rub my eyes a little bit. Yep, just rub your eyes directly on the seat fabric. Yeah, next time I will, it would be a little bit faster. <clears throat> get, might as well get some abrasion to help speed up the process. So that's that guy in like uh, space crime scenes. He just, just always doing the bad stuff. <clears throat> oh yeah, Joey. That guy's name was Joey. I don't fucking remember. They keep. I wrote um, that down. You're all steamed up, Joe. I remember that. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but he was all steamed up. Um. So so far, this episode isn't really firing on all cylinders for you. What about world building? Was there anything in there that you liked? I'll tell you what they got. They got a bowling alley. Must be in that must be in that sick ass gym that we saw. They do have a bowling alley. And other than that, dude, all I got is time warps and engine implosions. Yeah, I had those. Um I also thought I think this is the first time that they've shown that the transporter can screen for diseases. Right, that's true. Which uh is very convenient. I think I took that for granted because that is I mean it's it's not convenient times. because we, you only ever hear about it when it fails. That's right. But it's it's like, okay, yeah, that explains how they can just they don't care when they beam down to these places. Like, oh, so just they'll go down there in our regular um, velour uniforms that you know, like bad smells probably stick in those uniforms. Forget about viruses. Oh yeah, dude, you like spill some cookies on there, and you think you just brush away the crumbs, but there's still somehow something in there forever. Yeah. No. So. But yeah, I guess if you could just beam back up and then the shit's like, nah, you're good though. We got all the bad stuff out of there. Maybe maybe they don't care. Yeah. Uh, this is also, um, we got to look at surgery. Yeah. And uh, McCoy obviously was able to close that guy up with a light. 
Oh, did he do so, a boop, boop, boop thing? I mean, he just held a cone over him, and like a red light shone down from way above. Right. And that's how he closed. And that's how it was described, too. And a red light shone. Um, uh, it's also the first appearance of Christine Chapel, but that's um, that's not world building. I, I gave it a five. I mean, that's that stuff is something. It's not obviously was not the focus of the episode. I gave it a three originally, but you pointed out a couple of things that I had taken for granted because of all of my Star Trek experience. Things like the biofilters and the transporter and uh, him shining a light on someone and fixing their wounds. Um, so I'll, I'll upgrade to a four for that. Okay. I just didn't feel like there was anything really happening in terms of new new world building. We already know all they do is go on odd jobs to weird planets, so. Yeah, um, I just want to see if Ben brought anything up here. By the way, is that Nurse Chapel thing, some, is that some kind of backstory? Or just an effect Oh, how of, she's just immediately in love with Spock? Or is it just an effect of the crazy water? Uh... I guess we have to assume that they've had a lot of interactions we haven't seen. Yeah, right? Because, okay, maybe you're drunk, but that doesn't mean you're you're like going to have like a total freakout on him like that. Okay. I told you that Ben rated the concept a 7, right? <sighs> yeah, he you rated did. the execution a 10. I don't even understand. This is one of the best uh, good details. He liked the tension created by the planet filling more and more of the view screen. <laughs> Which is a very he simple narrative the, device. <laughs> visual ticks of the hand-wringing of every character once they got infected. Mm. Uh, anyway, he gave it a 10. He didn't, was, he didn't like... This is probably his favorite episode, I guess. He didn't like any of that same stuff in the Next Generation episode? I guess. I guess not. Because all that same stuff is in there. Wow, a 10. Uh, okay. Well, the planet didn't fill the view screen because that wasn't the problem, but they did have that glowing star material coming closer and closer. Yeah. Uh, five for world building from him, too. Uh, let me see if he mentioned anything that we didn't. Uh, they're back to their regular uniforms. Well, that's because we're done with pilots, but we'll Good. see the old uniforms again um, during the cage. Uh, during the, the menagerie, menagerie, I should say. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, he figures that there must also be somewhere to fence on board. It's because Sulu's practiced? Um, really, you could just use the bowling alley. Yeah. Like, just put right some, down something down. I mean, it's the same, like, a long, narrow strip. Or even where all fencing. those ladies were turning handsprings. Why not? Who cares? Or, or even where all those ladies were turning handsprings. That just looked like it was in the corridor. I don't care. I'm just saying, all you need is a strip of ground to run back and forth on. You're good. Uh, obviously, the main emphasis of this episode was on the characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where the all of the focus was. So, um... Unfortunately, they're all drunk half the time, so. Uh, yeah, but you know what? I don't know how um, much you're learning about them, or if they're just drunk guys. I'm cutting to the chase, I actually gave it a 10 for characterization. Whoa! And that, I think, uh, is a very rare score for me. It I, may be the first 10 I've given. I would like you to explain this further. Uh, well, here are the... Yeah, it's by far, by far the best score I've ever given. Um... <laughs> Here are the things that I thought were interesting. Uh, I thought it was cool that Sulu is a swashbuckler. Okay. Um, when they revealed his love for sword fighting in the remake movie, they gave him a hacky expanding samurai sword. It's, so, it's all just based on this one episode where he got drunk and decided to fence with people. And so in the 
crazy new universe, they just made it part of his character that he just carries a sword. Because that's a thing people do. They just carry swords. Well, I mean, so he set this one up that fencing was something that he did. Like, uh-huh. He is a fencer in this episode. Right. But that's ne- why he never has that in any We never episode. see it again. It yes, doesn't matter. That's correct. We don't know that yet. Yeah. Um, but clearly this is an aspect of his personality that everybody on the ship is aware of. Because Spock refers to him as a swashbuckler out of the 18th century at heart. <laughs> I, I remember that line. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Spock's emotions Mm -hmm. that he feels ashamed of his friendship with Kirk. You mean the emotions that Kirk slaps out of him? Yeah, Kirk slaps him in the face to get, to get out of there. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, obviously Uhura is cross-trained. This is our first look at Scotty. Right. Who I don't think even gets drunk in this, does he? I don't remember him doing that, yeah. He just cuts, he just very slowly plasma cuts a hole in the wall for most of the episode. Yep. Well, you know, you know, he does, he, he does more stuff because he, I'm not... he's obviously showing that he's a conservative engineer and, but then in the end he's able to come up with a solution. But this, so this is our first look at Scotty doing something other than beaming one person up in one episode. I'm not even sure Scotty's supposed to be much more than a Chief O'Brien type at this point. I don't even know if they think he's going to be, a, like, a real character. He does not seem well-established. Yeah. I mean, he, in the first four episodes, he hasn't been well-established, but this is our first look at him. Uh, Uhura takes the helm, I think I mentioned. Yeah. I like that uh, they at least made her capable of manning a man's station. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the entire focus of the episode was characterization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, Kirk's insane love for the Enterprise. Right. Uh, so I'm guessing you're going to say you don't like any of those things. Well, I give it a five. Um, so you get you get a little bit of banter between Spock and McCoy um, in the beginning of the episode. He kind of get they they poke they poke fun at each other a little bit. Um, Kirk really goes to that slap a lot on Spock. Like yep. he he checks him like he's fucking Rick James. Like Spock is a habitual line crosser. It's true. Um, <laughs> He's a habitual line crosser. Um, it it mirrors when uh, when Spock went after the salt vampire a little bit. Kinda, yeah. Although he just put both of his hands together and pounded on her. I did have that Kirk loves the ship like a woman. Uh, also that Spock is so full of deep love, but it only comes out after a few drinks. Yeah. Um, Scotty has some lines, but you don't really learn much about him. No. By, by the way, that's, um, from what we will learn of Vulcans, that's what they really should be like, right? Full of deep love? Yeah, they always like, talk about well, how their emotions are so powerful. Yeah, They're 2,000 years into a philosophy that requires them to suppress all of those emotions. Yeah. Which is a pretty radical philosophy. Yeah. So, you have to imagine that they were, um, they must have been real shitty dudes. Yeah. Like, a. The Romulans are not so emotional that it makes sense. You know, without... Obviously, we haven't seen those episodes to this point in our project, but obviously we've watched a shit ton of Star Trek, and I think they do allude to the fact that they used to be much like humans, or maybe even worse, in the way that they treated each other with violence and uh, rage and all this shit that they they had to figure out how to stop because they were killing themselves or whatever. But that'll... That's for another time. Um, so that's all I had for characterization. I don't really count Uhura manning that station. I don't think that says anything about her character other than that she 
she can go sit in that other guy's seat. Um, I just didn't think, I thought it was like half, like a half done kind of thing. You know? I don't know. Didn't do it for me. But you gave it a 10. I did. You so, and uh, ben, ben both gave this a 10 in something. Ben gave the episode, but gave it an 8 for characterization, by the way. So his total score for this episode was 30. Wow. Which is uh, far and away higher than, I didn't think that was than we've given an episode. Um, but I ended up giving it a 24. Dang, dude. So many and points. And with your 16, that puts it at 40, which is a pretty respectable score. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you've never issued a twenty-four. No, I you didn't issued think a I twenty-three did. to the man trap. That's wow! High. First one we did. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago now. Uh, uh quick hitters. Um, we talked about the hazmat suits with the annoying pattern over the face hole. Um, yes. the when they pass the disease back and forth, there's that weird rattlesnake sound. Yep. So TNG decided to keep that whole thing around. Uh, TNG changed almost nothing. The dude tried to kill himself with a table knife? Uh, that appeared to be a butter knife. Uh, he wasn't. He was. He was trying to fight someone else. The it went into him by accident. Oh, really? Well, that's yeah. baffling. I thought he was trying to do it. Um, no, <laughs> but yes, you're right. That that very dull knife. I, I did have Sulu is a swashbuckler at heart, as everyone knows on here. Um. Oh, and he calls her Fair Maiden, and Uhura's like, sorry, neither. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, she's not fair. That's true. They felt like they should point that out. But she does try, like, a little seduction distraction move. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's To get, get that sword away? She knows her job as a woman is to yes. use her body. She was a weapon created for sex, <laughs> as Pierce would say. I'm sorry, yes. I'm so community, right? I'm just community all day, so I, I've got them all in my head. Um, Marshawn pointed out how much older Scotty looked than everybody else, especially in super high def. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is older than anyone except... DeForest Kelly, probably. Except DeForest Kelly, but yeah. DeForest Kelly looks a little better. Yeah, Scotty looked hella old in that episode. Uh, why does Nurse Chapel have silver hair? How old is she supposed to be? Is that just a choice? What's happening? Uh, I wonder, I think she dyed her hair, like, platinum blonde. But it doesn't look right. To distinguish herself from her previous character, which we have not seen yet. Yeah, but it didn't look right. It looked silver. Yeah, no, it it was a miss. Uh, oh, um, oh no, that's, sorry. I was thinking about something from, all the way from Enterprise that I was gonna say. That's different. Um, uh, two women man the helm in this episode, in the same day. Yeah. That's crazy. I, the writers were feeling very charitable in this episode. Um, Spock, when he's having his outburst, looks just like Patrick Stewart's post-Sarek Mindmeld performance. Yeah, I'm sure he watched it mm-hmm. and prepared, but it does. it is a nice consistency. And I guess we'll talk about that I mean, in two years episodes. when we get to Sarek. <laughs> yeah. Was it absolutely necessary for the Doctor to rip off... Uh, Kirk's shirt to inject him? Nope, but it was sexy. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Um, <laughs> oh, dude, I know why they um, why they all made that pained face in the end when they were, like, going through time warp or whatever. It's because they forgot to put the gravitation on automatic. Oh, yeah. If well, they had remembered that, they would have been in much better shape. <laughs> they definitely, you need to switch gravitation to automatic. Also, the engines imploded, which is a super good thing that they did. 
And yeah. um, they programmed those lights on the monitor to register time travel. R- red equals backwards and green equals forwards. Yep. It was yeah, important that's... that they had that pre-programmed. That's a weird thing that the engineers did there. <laughs> In case we ever go backwards red, through time, make sure it lights up red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes me kind of want to deduct an execution point because that's so stupid. <laughs> That's all I had. Those were my quick hitters. Uh, but it's very Star Trek for that yeah. to be the case. Uh, Joey looks a little bit like James Roday from Psych. Oh, That's yeah. the only the only thing that you'd missed that I got in my quick hitters. <laughs> he does, kind of. All right. Uh, so I guess we should move on to the next generation. Do it. Matt, what did we watch this week? It was The Last Outpost, a classic. I consider it a classic. Um, the Enterprise has to chase down a, as of yet, unseen Ferengi alien ship after they've stolen something from a Federation planet. Uh, you know, don't say something. It's a T9 energy converter. Sorry, a T9 energy converter. My mistake. Uh, they, they say it so many times like it's important. They chase them to uh, a planet where both ships become disabled and they have to work together uh, to send people down to the planet to figure out the cause of their uh, their predicament, uh, where they meet a crazy uh, alien portal guard from thousands and thousands, millions of years ago. I don't remember exactly how long. Six, at least 600,000 years ago, that's when it went extinct. Right. But he thinks he's earlier than that even, so could easily be over a million years. Right. Uh, yeah, so they they got to work together to um, get out of their bind. So that's uh, that's the last outpost. First first appearance of the Ferengi. What did you uh, what did you have on the concept of this uh, bad? Boy? Well, no. First of all, no, no, they don't have to work together to get out of their bind. Oh, that's what they think going down. Yes, yeah, they don't have to. That's correct. Okay, so what were you going to ask? Mm. Your concept. What did you uh, What did you think they were trying to do with this thing? Okay, so given the very heavy handed comparisons between the Ferengi and the human worst aspects of human capitalists, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought this was a story about the potential that humanity has if we can overcome the worst aspects of our current behavior. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially, so like you said, they they do a lot of talk uh, on the Enterprise about how the Ferengi remind them of old Yankee traders and old school Earth capitalists. I mean, the Lagonians reminded them of the Chinese, too. That's clearly just how they think about things. It's a very human-centric point of view on that bridge. And then when they get down on the planet and they solve the issues, Riker tells the portal guard all about how the Ferengi remind him of what humanity used to be. And, you know, if they can can stick with it, they might get with the program or whatever. So, yeah, it's something about how we need to evolve out of our baser instincts in order to fucking kill it in space yeah ben also wrote man has evolved and is the rightful inheritor of the wisdom of the stars oh he's getting so poetic no he's he's into this he's way more into this project than us uh he rated that a seven uh i thought it was a five where are you on concept i gave it a five two it's all right i mean it's not it's not the worst there's something there i wonder if i'm punishing the concept because of other factors yeah, don't punish it because of the execution. It has its own score. Yeah, I'm just giving it that because it uh, it seems not it's not well enough defined. It's not, and it seemed racist against the Ferengi. I'm just gonna say it seemed super condescending. 
Oh, they are. They, they have a very condescending attitude to these uh, people who they believe are technologically a match for them. Mm-hmm. Like, how did they get they there? they seem to fear up to this point. Yeah, Frankie, you're so inferior to you. How, how did they get here? How are it's, they up in space know, with their good technology and stealing the, your shit? They see that guy's teeth on the screen. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, okay, never mind. Oh. I thought they were Bushmen. By the way, I'm not... I don't want to get off track, but Troy mentioned specifically that he he's altering the, his image on the screen somehow. Yeah, is that a red herring? Does that ever like does anything happen with that? Is that just ignored? What happens? I, I, um, I I wonder if it's just that he's making his face bigger, but it is it is never made clear. But Data agrees. Yeah, he's distorting that the his image. The signal is distorted somehow. But if they intended us to pick up what was happening, like. It's okay. So clearly, that sets up the reveal that the Ferengi are actually five feet tall. Yeah, they're weedy little dudes. But like, did, and that they like hiss around like cats. Did and, the Ferengi think they were going to convince Picard that each one of their faces was twenty feet in diameter? Uh, I, yeah, it, uh, it doesn't make a it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I don't well, get it. maybe he. <laughs> okay, so what if we don't pick it up? But what he was actually doing was trying to make his ears look huge. <laughs> oh yeah. He's like, look at the size of these things. Things. Blow my ears out. <laughs> yeah. Like he had a big, big old dick. Yeah. Just like uh Zatari in their hair on, on B5. Right. He was just, uh, yes, he's stuffing his pants okay. is what, is what was really happening there. But all they could pick up was that the image was distorted <laughs> and, and uh, it just didn't even make sense to them. Well, first of all, they never see this guy in person because for no good reason, he doesn't go down to the planet. Yeah, I don't know what the point of even having him show up was. Like, why even put him on the view screen? It's just an unnecessary character. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I gave it a five, you gave it a five. So, yeah. Uh, how do you think they did? Um, again, I gave it a five. So, the, the Ferengi are cartoons. Yeah, they are. So that's not great. The Takan portal can somehow tell that the Ferengi are closed-minded, mm. and Riker isn't. Yeah. Because Riker didn't flinch when he came at them with that blunt-ass spear. Yeah, though he didn't try that same thing on the Ferengi, I mean, to be yeah. fair. I mean, is it just because the Ferengi were like, they use gold, they make their females wear clothing, and he was like, alright, you guys suck? It doesn't, it's just like... He makes a real uh, a real big judgment based on very little evidence. Well, guess what, dog? Uh, he doesn't even need to do the spear test because he can clearly read their minds because he pulls Sun Tzu straight out of Riker's mind. Yeah, that's a good point. The spear te- it's not even a real test. He knew before he did it he wasn't going to move when the spear came near his face. Like, what? <sighs> anyway. So, anyway, it's a five for me. I gave it a four. I just thought it was cheesy nonsense. All that Sun Tzu stuff and reading Riker's mind. And Riker is basically like a perfect officer in this. Like he's a perfect evolved human person. And I just found it all super boring and cheesy. It was pretty dull. Uh, isn't it interesting? Uh, I guess we can save this to characterization. Yeah. Um, world building. So they did some stuff here. Yes, they did. Um I did not think of this as an episode that did any world building, but obviously we've got the Ferenki ship, which I think is a great model. Mm-hmm. Um, including the fact that it has that weird submission posture. Yeah. Like, hey, they build their ship where the neck extends when they're about to surrender. That's right, yep. Um, but there's stuff like, 
okay, we're all living in what turns out to be an old universe. Yes, exactly. Like, the Takan Empire died out 600,000 years, like, so long ago. And I think, in the strictest sense, this is what you like best about world building, right? You like the whole universe to be kind of... The whole mythology of the universe to be explained? Um, yeah. And, uh, I mean, so there's a big... There's a big thing coming up in our next episode that explains, like, deep-level stuff about the universe. Mm. Though they throw it away. Well, they always, they always throw it but, away. Um, but, yeah, there's that. Um, <clears throat> this empire had the power to move stars. Mm-hmm. And made so, entire planets their outposts. Right. But there's no suggestion that these people are supernatural like Q. No. So, like, this is a technological power that could exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like um, uh, Vorlons. Sorry, I keep coming back to B5. Uh, oh, and then uh, one thing that is technically world-building but is is bad is uh, apparently the Enterprise has super acceleration. What do you mean? So... You mean the wooey stuff? Yes, I mean the wooey stuff. Okay. So the, their acceleration from reverse impulse to warp 9 is 0.300 milliseconds? Yeah, dog, it's like a... That's three ten-thousandths of a second. Like a supercar. That's faster than any goddamn thing, Matt. Yep. Um, well, it's not faster than light. What? I don't, I don't know. Is it faster than what? light? What? <laughs> I'm sorry, give me a Darth Vader what that second time. <laughs> what? Well, I figure they're only moving, like... Aren't they only going to move, like, 300 feet? Why do they need to go to warp nine? Aren't they only going to move like three hundred feet? Yeah, all they need to do is get out of that thing. Like I, I, just, I feel like warp nine is kind of like warp one would have been more than enough. Do you think if he'd set it for warp two, then the time would have been one hundred point one hundred milliseconds, <laughs> and they would have got out of there? <laughs> yeah, maybe should have been less ambitious. You didn't need the full warp nine, buddy. You're not going anywhere. Uh, but also, the, like, hey, they're pointed right at the Ferengi ship. <laughs> I know. What if that works? They don't have the ability to navigate, so... It's just a huge suicide run? I guess. Um, anyway, that I had that as world building, hmm. that apparently the Enterprise can hit warp 9 in three ten thousandths of a second. Yeah. Uh, it's a 6 for me on world building. There's some stuff happening here. I gave it an 8 on world building. Uh, again, that it's because that last thing is stupid. Yes. Like, it, that actually loses points for me. I gave it an 8 on world building. For one thing, it's the first time we meet the Ferengi that they've hinted at, at least in the pilot. Right. They've been trying. They've been building to this moment, and unfortunately, they did a really bad job here, and now the Ferengi can't be menacing ever again. That's true. But it is all new. It's all yeah. new stuff. So we get um, Ferengi technology. We get their whole society and culture download from Data and the others. We get to meet them for the first time. We get to go on a little adventure on the planet with them. We get to see how they react to the portal. So we learn a lot about the Ferengi. Like, more than we know about almost any alien species, honestly. Like, to be serious. Like, we maybe know I mean, more about Vulcans at this point now. And that's it. No, it's it's absolutely true. Like, we know their, uh, their attitude toward women. Yep. We know their attitude toward commerce. It's like a little Ferengi chapter that we get to figure yep. all this stuff, shit out about them. And all the Takan Empire stuff is good, because, again, it's deep universe building. And, uh, like you said, hints at an older universe. They didn't really have time to to go into it a lot. They kind of give you the quick, quick download on the Takan Empire. But, um, I mean, we know that this kind of... Uh, I guess it's the Iconians that come back later. The Takan Empire, I think, stays in the, just in this episode. 
But um, yeah, it's but not it, this is not the Iconians. Either way, it although I think it maybe Star Trek Online ties the two of them together in some way. Either way, they wouldn't get credit in this episode. But I yeah. uh, I gave it an eight. I just felt like there was a lot of new stuff, and they were making an effort to uh, give us give us some Star Trek universe. Well, were you similarly generous when it came to characterization? Mm, I gave it a five. So yeah. uh, we got what I call the sassy bunch, which is, yes. this is the sassiest episode, I think. I mean, between Jordy, Worf, Data, and even Picard, like, there's just so much sass going on in this episode. Sass and crosstalk. Everyone's got to have a cool, witty line, and everyone's allowed to talk whenever they want on the bridge, even to the point where it, the people on the view screen can hear them just shit-talking. Yeah. Uh, Picard kind of steps in it as a diplomat, right? Doesn't do a great job with the Ferengi. Just basically lies to him about uh, how he's in charge. And how he, like, this is not something that Roddenberry would like. I don't think it's something that Picard would like, from what we know of Picard. Where he, you don't think he takes advantage of the situation. Bluff? Yeah, or he takes advantage of the situation to make the Ferengi surrender. Yeah. <laughs> and then they figure it out, and he's just like, oh, yeah, no, you got me. I was lying. Um, and some weird stuff from Picard about, uh, facing death as a man. <laughs> you know, to what, be fair, he never says as a man. But whatever, how Wesley has a right to face death as to an face adult. face death with his eyes open. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Beverly asks him if that's a male perspective, so clearly she got the same read on it that you did, but I love, I love his response. Did he say rubbish? He just, he just under his breath almost says, rubbish. <laughs> Um, like he's this is episode four and he's had enough of her shit I think we can agree this was two episodes right episode one is on the ship and that's Picard's episode episode two is on the planet and that's Riker's episode right yes absolutely and unfortunately Riker's episode's crazy boring because he is flawless he's like a paragon yeah he's like all of a sudden he's a philosopher king down there mm-hmm and he just bosses his way through the whole episode, and you don't actually ever get the feeling that... Even when they're getting, like, laser-whipped or whatever, the, I don't get the feeling that they're ever going to lose this thing. I mean, you're not yeah, supposed like, to, but... The, yeah, you know that, that the the tide is going to turn on the Ferengi. For one thing, you haven't seen Yar appear yet. Yeah. Yar is feisty, as always. You know, kicking dirt she, at him do, and stuff. I do love her little kick. <laughs> she kicks some dirt on him. <laughs> some good Wharf Klingon stuff for Battle Come to Me. That kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, uh when Data tells Riker that the Ferengi are stronger than they look, uh, and then Riker gets thrown or knocked down in some way, Data pulls the the craziest vaudeville face. <laughs> right. Not an emotional. Like Spider cannot keep it together, and apparently no one was like, "Hey, he's a robot." Yeah. No, they were like, "No, no, we're keeping that. Like that goes right in there." Yeah. Um. So, I, you know, some decent stuff from some of them. I feel like all the sassiness on the bridge, Picard, weird Picard and flawless Riker make it kind of meh. So I gave it a, I gave it a five. Yeah, I said it was a real mixed bag here when I gave it my five. Uh, Picard's rubbish I liked. Data wising off at ops I hated. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, let's see what uh, what Ben said about this episode. So uh, he gave it a seven for concept and a three for execution. Okay. Uh, he said the production value is real shitty. Now, the planet is awful. The set is terrible. Yeah. Um, all of the TNG sets 
pretty awful so far. Are just as bad as the TOS sets. They might even be the same sets. They might have just kept. They, they look very. I mean, it's years. the same like painted background on a soundstage. Yeah. But like they didn't even paint a background. They just painted like pink clouds. Yep. It's the same shit. Put some crystal um, trees up there. You're done. He also said it was forced in a lot of places, like the kids in the lounge. Yeah, I don't know what that was. Was that so we would fear for them because Picard's a molester? No, Doc. That's to explain why Data has the finger trap. That's the Uh, only thing that's for. That's awful. I thought it was because Picard might be a molester and those kids are are maybe not safe. Yeah, no. Well, (laughs) they're... Boys will be boys, Captain. (laughs) Don't touch them, please. Um... He he gave it an eight for world building like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he thought the Takan Empire was interesting, and obviously all of the Ferengi stuff. Yeah. Um, he gave it a four for characterization, saying that Picard was a dick to Data the whole time. Yeah, everyone kind of hates Data. I sort of disagree. <laughs> like, there's one point where Data sasses back uh, to Picard and says, like, "Well, it was you who started to talk about this topic, or something like that." Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's the typical early data nonsense. But um, everyone hates data. Like it's clear that they despise him. And he pointed out that it doesn't make sense that data has never heard of a Chinese finger trap or that he can't just break it. Two thirds of the things that data says don't make any sense. If he's supposed to be some kind of giant encyclopedia, he doesn't understand what Snoop means. Yeah, I don't. It, it, there's a, his character is so weird in that he can never look something up. Yep. Until someone explains it, and then he's like, oh yeah, I've got 18 more synonyms for that, but I didn't check my thesaurus. Yeah, check your thesaurus first next time, and don't bother everybody. Until you said, no, no, I meant what I said, I didn't make a mistake by saying Snoop. You dumb idiot. So, um... Why doesn't Data answer Worf's Uncle Who question? Yeah, he just kind of looks at him, right? Yeah, like, how does Data know that's a rhetorical question? <laughs> yeah. Again, Data's very inconsistent. Um, <clears throat> Uncle who? Why is there no chief engineer? Yeah, Jordy just goes down there. Well, they send Jordy down there because they can't talk to engineering. Dude, they were and having then a when they're down staffing there, problem. And then when they're down there, Jordy, they do that wooey warp nine thing. Mm-hmm. There's, are there any engineers on this ship? No, for this episode, engineering is like Dr. Crusher's office, where there no one works there but her. Except this time it's no one works there but Jordy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I think they're having a staffing issue. They like have a new chief engineer every week, except some weeks they don't have one at all. Uh, this is the most on-the-ball Troy we're going to see, I all the way up until agree. Face of the Enemy. Absolutely agree. She like straight up goes, what about the planet, everyone? The planet? And hey, like, hey guys, oh. what if the Frankie aren't doing this to us? Oh, Yeah, I wrote that down in my notes. Troy had an insight. Yeah. I think she's um, allowed in the briefings forever solely based on that. That's probably true. Yeah. So the Stakan Empire has been extinct for 600,000 years. Mm-hmm. Why do they have library data on them? The, the, so, I guess... Where did they get all of this data? The archaeologists have done a lot of rampant speculation. And oh. it turns out when they meet the portal that it is all 100% correct. I don't know. I well, mean, I mean, he sits know, there and rattles off a bunch of ages, and he's like, what the fuck are you, what are you? This is the age saying? of, um... It's the age of Mocktog. I think, I think that's, uh, I think that's when Alexander was born, but... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but I, was, I, thought, the, I thought of the exact birthday. same word. <laughs> um, our assumption is, oh, the portal's just been asleep, because Riker says, you've been asleep, portal. <laughs> 
<laughs> they just tell the portal his business the whole time. Uh, they wake him data? up and what tell the, him his whole What if their archaeology is just bad? That, that's right. It's, it could be our Discovery Channel, dude. They're just looking at, they're just misinterpreting the Mayan long count calendar. Yep. Uh, Worf calls the Ferengi pygmy cretins. <laughs> Which is actually pretty uh, awesome. I feel like you definitely could not say call someone a pygmy no, on TV in 2016. They don't like that so much anymore. I call them midges. I call them midge. Um, Those are my remaining quick hitters. Um, while you do the math, uh, the last time Picard asks them to enlarge the view screen, the magnification goes up by maybe 6%. <laughs> it's like, fully enlarge, and the screen gets just slightly more zoomed in. Uh, uh, is this so, the first time that Picard tells Yar to hold her fire, or the 15th? I already can't keep track. Oh, he immediately, like, this is one of the uh, many examples of Picard not returning fire after an enemy has unequivocally shot at them. Mm-hmm. He's just like, hold your fire. He's just like, oh, well, we were chasing them. It's like, it's like well, okay, though. For a first reason. of all, they stole your T9 energy device. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we will return your T9 energy device. Uh, yeah. Um, we we were pretty close on this one, you and me. Okay. Um, my scores added up to twenty one, and yours added up to twenty two. All right. So forty three. So it jumps ahead of the naked time. You don't have to worry about my uh my high score. Yeah, you gave it a twenty. What did you give the other one? Twenty four. Twenty four. So this one was only only three points behind it on my scale. Um, but you rated it six higher on yours. So it's pulling ahead. Um, this is only the second time we've both rated an episode over 20. All right, see? Consensus. There we go. So it's it is a classic. man trap and then the last outpost. It is a classic that we did not rate very highly on take or execution. Yeah, this is the, this is the second best episode we've watched so far by score. Okay. So that's, um, that's weird. Weird and bad, because this is not an episode that I think of fondly. Particularly really? Fondly. I, I was very much looking forward to seeing this one again. Well, no, I love the Ferengi, and we really did not do justice to their weird prancing behavior. <laughs> and uh, n- no female human or Ferengi tells Mordok what to do. <laughs> that guy's the best. In the end, when the portal the portal, and Riker are walking along, and the portal's like, oh, these closed-minded ones, you know, blah, blah, blah. One of them delivers the, the best reading of a line I've ever heard. He straight up goes, untrue! We seek friendship with you, like all on the dude's grill. And I just thought, how did that portal actor keep his shit together? Because I definitely would have laughed my ass off at the end. They're of having to season. act through those teeth. I mean, <laughs> I gave the human that answer. <laughs> the whole time I would have been busting up on set because I'm sitting here on the couch and just going, "Great read. That was a great read." And one of these fuckers goes on to be Quark. I know. Yeah. Uh, other other quick hitters. Every time Riker wants an answer, he just yells right in Data's face. <laughs> like in this entire episode, and I think this whole season. He just yells at him angrily when he wants to know something. Um, two episodes in a row now, France, uh, Picard has had a France boner. Oh, yeah. Apparently that was a thing they were really going to go for. I think it gets dropped after this. Yeah, but... counting coup and then blue, white, red. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of dramatic plan music in engineering when they're coming up with their dumb plan that uh, does not work even for a quarter of a second. That's By the way, it's entirely wasted time. Yep. Like, no need for that at all. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. You could drop that right out of the episode. 
Uh, I, I again, I had Picard's not up front with the Frankie at all, and though I'm basically okay with it with Gene Roddenberry, um, and would the portal like it actually? Uh, you know, Roddenberry was still firmly in control of the series by this point. Well, that's what I'm saying. It seems inconsistent. And okay, Riker is flawless in this episode, but did Portal monitor that? Because Portal probably wouldn't think that was cool. Uh, you know, Kirk in the Corbomite maneuver, an episode that is not coming up for many weeks. <laughs> Uh, does a similar some dissimilar deception nonsense. But is that so. to save his ship? I feel I mean, like Picard yes. realizes they're both in trouble and just goes, "Oh fuck them, let's make them bend over." But, yeah. Anyway, um, let's see. Uh, Data is super emotional when he's caught in that Chinese finger trap. Yep, it is. It's very frustrating for him, hurting his psyche. Um, uh, he can rip doors open though, but that finger trap. That's right. <laughs> Uh, F- Jonathan Franks goes face down in that dirt pretty hard when he gets disruptor whipped. So yeah. apparently they didn't get a stuntman for that, though there is a very clear sighting of stunt data. Yep. Every stunt data, there's something about the makeup, mm-hmm. like they don't spend the time on it. I think that's right. It's always easy to identify a stunt can't data. get a wig that matches correctly. There's something about data you always know when he's a stunt double. Yep. Now... I will say there is a particularly bad Picard that we know of in the high ground. (laughs) Yeah. And there is a terrible Riker in a matter of perspective. Oh, it's not the only one, dude. And going to high def, you see him, but this Riker is so fat compared to, (laughs) compared to that era's Frakes. Yeah. They get Uh, Eric fucking Pressman to be his stunt double. It's terrible. In the end of this season, when that alien has the worm in him, I mean the admiral. Admiral has the worm in him. Is it? Oh yeah. Which was? Is it Riker that has the terrible stunt double, or is it the admiral? Uh, One of them has. Oh, they like, both do. Okay, yeah. They're like the most laughable stunt scene. Yeah, is in that one. Uh, yeah, that's a mere year away. Yeah, I know. Uh, on this project, but that's going to be great. Um, uh, oh, hold on. Um, this is a vast interstellar empire, the Takan Empire, right? Yes. Just vast, 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 vast. Uh, All wiped out by one supernova. There you go. The empire, your empire, fell prey to a supernova. They tell him again. I thought about this. Um, they move stars, right? Yeah. So maybe they just put all their stars close together. <laughs> oh, and it's just chain reaction. Swept them like, all out. Fuck it. It takes too long to get beef from the beef planet over here. Right. Move it closer. Okay, but maybe that's it. But I that I don't know why now a supernova still only propagates at the speed of light, so they would have had time. Seems like they would have plenty of time to move all of their stars out of the way. So I thought about that when I heard that. And also again, they had to tell him that nonsense because they know all about it. Yep. Uh and uh Crusher straight up calls him Jean. Yeah, that Ooh. that never makes sense. Like that ain't how that name works. No, and it is gross. I I there was what's the opposite of a boner? My penis just went so deep inside of me. Also, she is the doctor. Arguably, at some point in that B plot, she has given up on helping any patients and just gone to the bridge to die next to Picard. That is correct. Yeah, she's like, "Oh, I've given you all the comfort I can." Like, uh, I'm just gonna go die with my on again, off again boyfriend. I mean, it does. It's just the typical problem that happens on every Star Trek, where they know exactly how long until the shields fail, or mm-hmm. the hull buckles, or the warp cores breaches, or everybody dies. Yeah. Uh, we'll all be it's dead always exactly going to happen at the minutes. exact same time. Yes, that's right. It's never like, well, she should be taking care of the people who were closest to death. 
Or, how come they don't come up with a discussion? If we're going to run out of oxygen, maybe we should kill the non-essential people. That's what they should have said! I think they were just going to freeze to death. Okay. Alright, well, that's fair then. Yeah. That's all I had. Uh, end of the day, they beam a box of finger traps over to the Ferengi. Right. That's an obvious trouble with Tribbles reference. Yes, it is. And also, what a delightful way to end it. They're just like, oh yeah, well, good to meet you guys. Here's a bunch of these dumb inter- interwoven straw. How the, you bet the Frankies were putting them on their dicks. <laughs> is this is this for our dicks? Is this is it is it for dicks? Is this for Umox? Is this for Dick Umox? <laughs> dick Umox is less. I like that Umox is the regular <laughs> thing, and Dick Umox is the qualified thing. <laughs> Umox is coming up. That's another time. Yeah, we'll figure that out later. Uh, So yeah, adds up to a 43. Puts in the lead this week. But it's time to move on. (laughs) Still love that. Deep Space Nine. Uh, This week was uh, Babel. Yeah. A decades-old trap set by the Bajoran Underground releases a virus onto the station that gives the crew aphasia and puts everyone's lives at risk. Uh, So it's the naked time again. Yeah, I know. I know! (laughs) Except they don't do anything cool, they just can't talk good. Everyone becomes incapacitated, and the actions of one incapacitated person threaten the entire station. That's right. Um, But that's not... uh, that is a sort of a coincidence. It's not what I think the premise was. Right. Like, this is not a space is dangerous story. Uh, to me, this is a landmines are bad story. Yes, I had similar. It's something about the rules of war and how innocents suffer even after the war is gone. Yeah. Um, that's a four for me. I don't think there's anybody who's really pro-landmine out there. Nope. But it is at least a stance. Yeah. But like you said, it's an unopposed stance. I gave it a three. I felt like that was super weak. Yeah. Like, that's not much of an episode. Uh, and actually, initially, I thought, oh, they just make this episode to, like, show off how good Bashir is, but no, he doesn't do shit. Bashir doesn't do shit. No, he doesn't. He doesn't, like, when the guy eventually comes on board, he's like, oh, he got part of the way to the solution. Yeah, that's it. like, all right, well, he had days. (laughs) So I thought it was going to be a characterization thing. We're going to learn a lot about the Doctor. No, no, not really. No. So, yeah, I gave it a three. Um. Execution? I think it was a four for me again. Okay. Uh, the crew members succumb to the virus on a schedule driven basically by plot convenience. That's correct. Like, well, okay, hold on. Would you prefer that they all know exactly when they're going to get it and it adheres to that strictly? No, but here's the thing, right? In the naked time, Mm. which we watched this week, Kirk is one of the last ones to get it. But it's transmitted physically. Right. And he just hasn't touched anyone. Sure. Oh, and this one's airborne. In Babel, and... it becomes airborne all throughout the station in Act 2. Right. Everybody is exposed at that point. It is essentially pure coincidence that Cisco is the last human standing. Right. Um... It's not clear why Quark is the only Ferengi who doesn't get it. Yeah, there we are other know Ferengi there are on board. others on the station. Right. Um, 
it, it's fine that Odo doesn't get it. He's weird. He's some kind of weird alien. That's uh, something that Enterprise does, I think, constantly, that the Vulcan on board doesn't get whatever the other people get. Another thing that hurt execution for me on this is the guy who created the virus is dead for no reason. I know. Why did we need it? It's just to waste two minutes. It doesn't... <laughs> like, oh, we're really going on a journey with Kira here. She's trying so hard to figure this out. I don't care. It's a meaningless conflict because she immediately finds the next get best guy and brings him on board. And it's like, what is the point of... Why couldn't it just be the original guy hmm. and save the two minutes? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, dude, as we always talk about, when they're wasting time like that, it's because they don't know how to fill 40 minutes. They didn't have enough episode. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, four for me on execution. I gave it a six. Hang with me on this. All right. All right. So I think what they're doing with this whole Kira has to go and track this dude down and all this shit is that even though they were fighting bad guys, the Cardassians, the people that who come people come up with weapons like landmines or like this have a special kind of dick about them. They're special dicks. Even if they're on, like, the right side, the Bajoran resistance or whatever. And Kira even has to, like, threaten this dude before he will try to fix the shit that he broke. Right? She has to go track this dude down, and he's like, look, I can't help you. I don't know nothing about it. Sorry. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, guess what? You're infected, motherfucker. And then he's like, oh, you got me. I guess I should try to help. And I think it's just kind of showing, like, these weapons are bad. And the people who make them are a special kind of bad, even if they're on the right side. So I think it it played a lot into what we assumed was the concept, which is the rules of war and what you do to win and what the after the aftermath is and all that. So based on that, I gave it I gave it a six. I felt like they were doing a little bit of work. Okay, I think that's fair. Um, this is the third consecutive episode in which. Kira has to come to terms with the idea that the people who were leading the revolution against the Cardassians were shitty. Not heroes, exactly. Yes. So there was the guy with the bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there was the Cardassian murderer. The guy who tried to frame Odo or whatever. Who's trying to frame up Odo. Yeah. Now we've got this landmine guy who's a piece of shit. Yep. I think this is definitely turning into a recurring theme in this season. It is a recurring theme, we know Kira was involved in the Resistance. Oh, yeah. And we know that... Well, I don't know if we know it yet. We will definitely know throughout the course of this show because it was pre-9-11. They call her a terrorist about 500 times. Right. There has been no reflection on her part about her own actions in the Resistance so far. So we've we've seen now three consecutive weeks examples of other people, and it has not triggered any introspection that we've seen. Dude, she's not super self-aware. So what I'm saying is, there was an opportunity for the execution to be better. That's a big sure. opportunity. I only gave it a six. Yeah. All right. Uh, world building. Uh, world building. <sighs> Less in this than in some other episodes, I think. Mm. Um, Deep Space Nine is dangerous and run down. Yeah, it's a garbage hole. Um, but they've they've been sort of driving that home mm-hmm. already again. Uh, that's just a theme that's being repeated. Uh, former resistance figures are now in fairly high positions. Like this guy runs a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, we so we're learning some things there, but 
really that's not much. Um, it's another four for me. I give it a five. Um, I felt like we're starting to learn a little bit about the nature of Deep Space Nine in terms of its Babylon 5-like responsibilities, in terms of transports and cargo and docking and how it's kind of a like a way station in space. Yeah, um, there was some of that with that guy who was super worried about his cargo going off. Yeah, um, like you said, DS9 is a fucking piece of shit. It's a terrible place. Um, so we learn a little bit more about what a terrible, disgusting bucket it is. Um, we learn about how dumb Rom is. Yep. Odo yeah. is... Oh, the whole... Quark's whole scheme is unraveled because Odo is like, uh, you said Rom could fix it. Rom can't fix anything. Yeah, I have that as characterization, not world building, <clears throat> but yes. That might be true. Um, and the Bajoran terrorists at least had a decent research program. Yeah, that is true. They must have, like, this guy has come up with some pretty interesting genetic. So they have resources techniques. of some kind. All we've seen about, all we've seen of the Bajorans is that they they have uh, priests and they and they farm. Yep. So, so somewhere they had a science uh, lab. Although the first time we learn about the Bajorans, they are supposed to have had, like, high art and culture before the Cardassians came. Right. Came busting through, so. But, but I, yeah, I, somewhere they somewhere they were able to do some science. I gave it a five. It almost feels charitable, but I, I'll, I'll stick with it. You know, I think you've talked me up to a five. Okay. <clears throat> so, talking about the characters, characterization on this <clears throat> on this Deep Space Nine episode. Who who were they? Who was this episode really about? Who are they pushing? Because uh, when, it's when little... it starts, you're supposed to think it's about O'Brien, but I don't think it ends up being about O'Brien. It's well, he disappears. He's not in the middle forty minutes of the episode. Yeah, you think it's going to be about him, but because he's the first one to get the virus, he's basically kicked out of the episode. Yeah, so to me, to the extent that this episode is about anyone, it's about Kira and it's about Odo. Right. And what are they saying about... Let's get to Kira next. What does it say about Odo? Because I, as far as I could tell, there wasn't really a lot of character development other than that he's super nervous. Yeah, I think... um He's not a professional officer in the way that these other people are. I mean, Kira's not either, but like com- contrasted with the Starfleet people, he's not a natural leader. Right. He doesn't have he doesn't play command presence, and when he's on, when he's in ops alone, it, he's very out of his element. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of a good move if you're going to give a character basically superpowers. Yes. That, and like you were saying, it's a good contrast to all the Starfleet officers who are always perfectly trained and right. professional almost to a fault. Just like they're like the perfect paragons of, of virtue or whatever. So it's nice like, to have somebody get up there and be like, I don't really know what to do. Really, in the other, in three of the other four series, that's the way they're portrayed. Even in the original series, everyone is basically a professional who's good at their job. Yeah. Which is fine. Uh, I mean, that's what you want, I guess, but it's, it like, is more interesting to see it the other way definitely in the next generation to the point where they don't know what to do about barkley <laughs> yeah right like they've never they don't even work with anyone who's not good at their job seriously they're like we got to transfer that dude asap because he's a little nervous i mean uh, that's, that's the but, extent of it like he's a little bit nervous and kind of weird around people and i don't want him around even in the voyager that we've seen so far mm-hmm. like uh 
is anyone more competent than Janeway? Boy, do they go out of their way to show that she's super good at everything. And I think we talked about this a couple of times. That's what they do when they don't have anything to say about the character. They just go, just amazingly competent. Just, yeah. like, super competent. So, uh, I liked this portrayal of Odo. Uh, it's most of why I gave a good characterization score. And what um, what did you give it? And then we can get more more de- detail. I, I gave it a six. Okay. I gave it a um, six as well. Yeah. So, uh, again, the other character that, that was being pushed here was Kira. And... Um, Really, they weren't saying anything very new about her, just that she was sort of, she's sort of willing to work outside the law to get things done. Yeah. And she, uh, she kidnaps that guy with no remorse. Yeah. And threatens to give him super disease, which I'm sure she did give him. Um, Not only that, that her, she's very adaptable to her current cause. Because we've seen now in like three or four episodes that she's had to face former colleagues or at least people who were fighting the Cardassians way back when and have to kind of reconcile what to do with them. Absolutely. And she doesn't really seem to have any problems turning and going, eh, you know what, fuck you. I gotta get a job done here. Um, but I, uh, I mean, this is totally unfair, but I feel like there's an opportunity with Kira that they are just not just not taking it all. Yeah, they feel like they need to put her in every episode to, to maybe a greater extent than they are actually prepared to do. Like, she but keeps like, getting a lot of plot, but they're not doing anything with her. She's just like, uh, she goes on a wild goose chase to chase down the dude who made the virus or his assistant. But my feeling is more specific than that, in that she, like, three times so far has confronted people from her past like former resistance people, people who were arguably doing what she's doing Mm -hmm. uh, and sort of coming face to face with their atrocities. But we haven't seen a moment of her introspecting about her own activities during the occupation. Yeah. And at this point in the show, if you've seen this many episodes, you have no idea whether or not that's going to happen or not. Right. And I, in fact, I haven't rewatched Deep Space Nine Ever. I was going to say, best probably I, ever. I, th- I think I watched basically every episode when it was on live, but I don't, I'd don't. i never rewatched it. And when I sent um, you the this, DVDs, I think you only got about this far, because you, you yeah, saw... Yeah, this is roughly where I got it. Yeah, you saw whatever the next episode was going to be, the Q episode, and you went, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, that, in fact, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> um, so I don't know whether they're going to address it, but I feel like we've seen so much of her confronting former resistance people that there's already been ample opportunity for that to happen, and it just hasn't. Yeah, what I had on Kira on this one was, <laughs> Kira is tough as nails and has no issues being tough with former terrorists, which we have to learn every week, I guess. Yeah. Um, O'Brien is busy and put out, right? Yep. That's sort of his contribution to this episode, because, again, he gets taken out pretty early. <clears throat> this is a big Quark episode, too. Yes, it, but I, it's it, there's really no new ground being broken with Quark. Yeah, I mean, he's he is prepared at any moment to commit any kind of fraud. Oh, yeah. He's got, like, he has the means at his disposal. He's got, just sitting there in a little case on his bar. He's just like, oh, no, I got data rods for that. I got data rods yeah, right, all day. Right out in the open. Yeah. Um, Kira hates Quark, what I assume is for backstory reasons, but it is not explained. But she hates his guts. Right. It could just be racism. It's hard to say. It might be racism. 
Uh, and again, Quarkus... Like, as far as we know, the Bajorans have only had relations with one other species, and that didn't go well. Why wouldn't they be racist? <laughs> That's true. They probably should hate all aliens. Uh, Quarkus so hated that even in the scene after they learn when the virus is super, like, is going to be super deadly and kill everybody, and then Quark is pretending like he has it, or is talking to the guy in sickbay like he has it, they're it's like... they're Money, so- you owe! <laughs> yeah, they, like, high-five each other and celebrate. They're like, ha didn't get away from this deadly virus, Quark! And it's like, oh shit, dude, they hate this guy. Um, but he still helps out in the end. Yeah, but I feel like we've seen hints of that idea before. He's slimy, but he's not actually evil. And I think actually they went to the him and Odo are frenemies bucket way too quickly because they've yes. done it like three times already, and we're only four or five episodes in. Yeah, they, yeah, they could have let that breathe. Yeah, they rushed that one, so that's the that's the inverse of the cure problem. But I think it's because they like that they're trying to get to that buddy cop. God, I wish they'd try. Pairing. I wish they'd try less because um, Quark episodes are the worst. Um, what else? Other characters? Uh, uh, Dax likes being catcalled. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we learned that Rom is an idiot. Although I think it's still not established who Rom is. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So far, we've met Rom just a handful of times, including when Keiko talked to him about his son going to school when he wasn't doing his Rom voice. Yeah, when he was just mean Ferengi. Um. Cisco loves his son. Just lo- yeah. he just loves his son so much. Yeah, that's not much. Uh, I have something. I have a question about the medical officers on these shows. Sure. It seems like some of them are like surgeons, and some of them are academics and scientists. Bashir, right, but not at a research institution. Yes, but it's like all they do is do research. Like Bashir, it seems to me all he does is like experimental research all the time right you rarely see him like do medical procedures despite his uh stated interest in frontier medicine yeah and despite the fact that he works on that station that's constantly falling apart i can't imagine the medical facilities are fantastic but yeah, people must be getting cut by rusty girders about 15 <laughs> times a day on that thing right yeah and i don't know if he has any staff so i don't know who's handling the uh medicine while he's doing his research but he has those bajora nurses but so far none of them have had names and I think we might have already talked about this, but I just assumed Bashir was going to be it was going to be a Bashir episode. I thought it was going to be Bashir does the research and whips up a substitute, but he doesn't get that far. It's, nope. being the other guy. And that was pretty no, much as it. As with the cloning episode, <clears throat> he's just a little too slow to solve the problem. Yeah. And I think that was it. I mean, that's all I have for characterization. It wasn't great. There were a couple of decent things in there, so I gave it a six, but it was, there's not a lot going on. Yeah, you know, Ben mostly uh, mostly agreed with us on this one. He gave it a five. Uh, but he really nothing. He didn't pick out anything that I feel like we missed. Um, I had a couple of just sort of general thoughts. I really, uh, I really liked that Odo's assertion is, is that Rom couldn't fix a straw if it were bent. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's always uh, been a good that one. one has stuck with me since the first time I saw this episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, but I mean, they com- we, I know they completely undercut that later because it turns out Rom is secretly a super engineering genius. Yeah, three seasons from now or whatever, when they're like, ugh, uh, we need to like add more characters. Let's we do could- a Rom episode. Yeah, and then Rom becomes yes, the engineering fucking super genius of the station. So, uh, my question is. Is Odo going to shapeshift in every single episode? Well, I like, assume... I get that he could do it, but man, do they go to that well. I assume that's why they made him. But, I, I mean, in TNG, they kind of dropped the saucer separation. 
you know? Yeah. And they may end up dropping the Odo transforms. I know, spoiler alert, everybody, for a certain part of the show, he gets transformed into a human and cannot shapeshift. Sure. So that's good. I'm looking forward to that. But it's just like, at this point, he does one shapeshift an episode to catch someone doing something sneaky, and he could have caught him another way. Like, <laughs> like when he became never, that chair? It's, so far has not been that. Yes. <laughs> he becomes that chair from that Klingon ship that doesn't belong in that room. Yep. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that's more than I need. Do you have any quick hitters, any takeaways uh, for this one? Yeah, dude. Does the chief of operations on that station have a staff? Because I saw two yellow dudes, two yellow uniform dudes working in the dock egg ring. But I think that was it, and he looks pretty busy. They should probably ask for more engineers, right? Something like that. They can probably afford think. it. Um, O'Brien doesn't seem to think that the replicator shooting lightning bolts is likely to be a problem in the future. Oh, yeah. Shoots yeah, it with a lightning like... bolt, and he goes, oh, well. There's a Everyone in Star Trek, when it's plot convenience, is like, a werewolf. <laughs> yeah, okay, though. Okay. I mean, if you think about it. Well, space future. Yeah, I'm on a spaceship. Um, Why not? But then other times it's like, uh, Data doesn't use contractions, or, uh, oh, it's weird, Data didn't say that one part before his shuttle blew up. <laughs> That's right, yeah, they catch or, something I mean, it's super just, specific. Like, sometimes everyone's hypervigilant, but most of the time, someone's like, uh, oh, shot lightning at me. Well, when, yeah, I, when well. I saw Brian grab his coffee and walk away, I felt kind of bad, because I thought, man, if I had had a long day, that's probably me. I'd probably <laughs> go, oh, that's not good, but I'm going to pretend like I didn't see it. <laughs> I'm going to go home now. Like, and when you know someone what? gets zapped later, I'll go, I have no idea. If someone gets zapped, no one's going to be like, what the fuck, Chief? They're yeah. going to be like, ah, oh, these fucking replicators. That's right. No one's going to blame me. Um, <coughs> Does Odo have like a real weakling reputation or something on that station? Because that alien dude in the bar thought he could force feed Quark that gross soup right in front of Odo. Yeah. Like I mean, Odo was literally standing next to him. Like, what if that guy doesn't have real good color vision? Because Odo is beige, and he wears beige. <laughs> That's true. And, and you know what? Like, that station's pretty beige. That station's got a lot of beige on it. I think dude just might... You know, he's not a human. His color vision might not be good. Maybe, he just might not have seen maybe Odo. Maybe he thought there. it was a portrait or something. Um, Man. uh, That guy went from zero to 60. Oh, yeah, dude. He was mad like He took about one bite soup. of that soup, and it sucked. And then he was like, <laughs> I'm going to make you eat this soup. <laughs> Because clearly this thing that you did was a personal insult aimed at me. That's right. Well, you know what? It looked like he was the only guy on the bar at that point, probably because of the malfunctioning replicators. So it, it, yeah. it probably felt like he was being targeted. Um, yeah. I kind of want to make these babble phrases a regular part of my vocabulary. Like, uh, I was flower units about GTA 4 when it came out, but it didn't really hold up. Oh, man, that's exactly how I feel about GTA 4. Yeah. I also was flower units about the lad, myself. Or, like, I heard the Warriors lost last night. Yeah, man, I was there. Dinner to bug. <laughs> right? Uh, so it's possible, because often you can tell what they were trying to say, especially when they're just getting aphasia. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, those are the ones so, I was yeah. able to pick out. Like, you oh, could, she's really flower start. units about the lad herself. You could start salting it in, but it's going to, I mean, it's going to be a pussy on the chain wax situation. <laughs> it might take a while. <laughs> it might take some time to catch on. And my last quick hitter, Bajorans would make great college football players. Decon Elig. Spell oh, that yeah. D apostrophe K-A-W-N oh, yeah. and you are One, in. 100% Decon Elig Dude. is uh, like a, a linebacker at San Jose State. Dude, Sir Mac Wren. 
S I R dash M A C K Ren. Yep, Sir Mac Ren. Sir Mac Ren. That guy would be fucking amazing at LSU. If there's never been a Sir Mac Jones or a <laughs> Sir Mac Johnson or something, I would be surprised. That's an obvious one. I've just eventually I'll go through all the Bajoran names in Star Trek and, and figure out if it's if it still fits. <clears throat> there, that's there, some of them are pretty good, but Decon Alec is Decon Alec must have happened. Perfect. There, like there must have been a, a cultural player named Decon Alec. Yeah. All right. You know, did you do the math on this one? Uh, I did. So I gave it a 19. Okay. That's, for us, that's you not bad. It, you gave it a 20. Oh. So um, that's pretty good. Adds up to 39. That's actually only good for third place so far this week of three, though. We've been scoring them pretty well. Uh, yeah, we we enjoyed this week a little more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, me particularly, but even you have been given pretty good scores. But we have the two weak links in this project left to go, yeah. so... Let's move on to I don't know if it's that I just like horns. Horns are great, dude, to get in when it sounds all uh hopeful and and like you're branching out into the universe. It's good stuff. Yeah, it really is. Matthew, we watched Phage. Voyager episode four or five? What are we calling this? Uh, this is week four for okay, us. Week four. All right. Uh, in the episode Phage. Yeah. Uh, Voyager is doing some dilithium prospecting. Uh, when Neelix has his lungs beamed away by a mysterious life form. Right. Then it's up to the doctor to keep him alive long enough for the crew to recover his lungs. <laughs> It'd be, uh... He lost his lungs, but he can get them back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they don't. In the end, <laughs> they just give him one of Kess's lungs. Yeah. So. Um. Did you, were you able to divine a premise? Sure. I mean, it's, it's how far will you go to survive, right? Like, yep, what? that's, I wrote people will go to nearly any lengths to survive. Now, I'm gonna. I think you're gonna be pretty surprised. And what Ben I do wrote here. what people will do to survive. Oh, so there we go. So we're all on the same page. Uh, I think you're gonna be pretty surprised about what I do here. Okay. I feel like this was a strong concept because they introduce this concept when they're victimized by somebody else trying to survive. Yes. When you would think that since they're out there alone, you. You'll probably have to face that at some point, and maybe the first time that they bring that up is going to be when Voyager needs something in order to survive. But it kind of makes you, it gives you something to play off when they are going to have to start making tough decisions in order to figure out how the hell they're going to get home and who they're going to fuck with. You know, I hadn't thought of that angle, but you're right. I felt like it was introduced, and it's you can see Janeway's outrage at what these other people are doing, and it's like, if you really think about it, and if she really thought about it, it'd be like... You know what? That's probably going to be us before too long because it's just us out here. Yeah. So what did you, with that in mind, what did you score it? I gave it a nine. That's a nine. So I initially had that as a four. Okay. Um, but you've talked me up quite a bit on that. So now I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to think how high I want to boost it. I'm not. I'm not sure yet how 
how to incorporate that idea because that was something that I missed, but I think you're absolutely right. I don't know. I I couldn't even be sure it was intentional or if they just wrote the episode and whatever. Yeah, maybe they got lucky, but um, I was just thinking about think it when right. when she's in the sh- when the transporter room with the dudes after she's captured them. Yes, and, and she's now trying she's to f- figure out what to do. Yeah, trying to figure out what the fuck to do with them, and I'm like, you know, I'm sure they do get to this because this is seven seasons of show. But when they do, will the character Janeway think back on this and go, oh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't yeah. have been so high and mighty about this. But anyway, that's what I had. Although she, she shows them a little, well, we're, we're, we'll get to it. We're getting, <laughs> we're, yeah, we'll get yeah, to it. Yeah. Um, you know, I had it as a four, but I think you've talked it all the way up to a seven for me. Boom. So high that is the, that is the value of having this discussion and not just uh, throwing our things into a spreadsheet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the spreadsheet's the end result. It's the only thing I love in this world. Yeah, I was going to say, but, it's usually the most valuable thing. But, um, you know, Ben rated it a two. Ouch. And I wonder if I wonder if your take would, would cause him to rethink that score, too. Hmm. Uh, how did you feel they did, given your adjusted take? Or do you want me to go? No, I can go. Um, it, it doesn't change what I think the concept is. Okay. So... The the execution on the concept, I don't I don't think my score needs adjusting based on that. Right. Um so but I had it as a six anyway for That's that premise. Exactly what I had. Um the there are a couple of things execution wise that I didn't need, like the Hall of Mirrors Ugh, yeah. is completely unnecessary padding. And cheesy. Like it really it does nothing but fill out time. Yep. Again, it dude. doesn't it doesn't change the stakes in any way. It doesn't do anything but kill time. And at that point, nobody is on the clock. Sometimes I wonder why these are even an hour long. You know what I mean? 42 minutes without commercials or whatever. Because it yeah, seems well, like they have trouble filling 40 minutes. In this one, they only had 38 minutes of, of show. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Like, and they padded it with this scene. Yeah. Um, but there was one thing that I liked in the execution here, which mm. is that... It's nice to see a species that is more advanced than the Federation, but only in one aspect. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Their medical technology does come in handy in the end there. Because they need it for their problem. And it makes sense that they would be advanced in that area. And their problem is so severe that it would make sense that they're not that sophisticated in other areas. Yeah. And in fact, that's part of the reason I only gave it a six is because I don't buy that species survival. I don't buy their solution or their survival because it's hard. It's hard to understand. How is their ship so fast and excellent? And like they have trouble tracking them down and all this stuff. And how, how are they staying afloat given the extreme medical emergency? Yeah. I think the only way it makes any kind of sense is if we assume that 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 was an area they were already good at before this thing overtook them. Yeah, and they're still able to maintain their ships, apparently, and they, I don't know how many of them are left, but these two dudes seem to be traveling alone, and yep. and what, they just hang out at that dilithium mine and wait for people to come by? What if no one comes by for, like, three years? Oh, well, there's no dilithium there. It's a trap. Well, you know what I mean? Like, what if no one, come, what if no one bites because they're fine on dilithium yeah, or it whatever? seems like a real poor trap. Like, you're just going to sit there and just wait, and then you're gonna your organs are going to fail. You know? well, look, I mean, I I, just, I didn't buy the plot. Basically, it's possible that the Kazon, who we have seen so far to be pretty dumb and unsophisticated, come yeah. by there every week. 
I wonder if they even use dilithium. I have no that, idea about them. That some ship just goes down there every week. Like, what the fuck is up here? And that was another question I had. Get about this it. dilithium. Like, I guess everyone in the galaxy needs dilithium. Um. Yes, and also, do they burn it? Does it burn like fuel? Because they seem to need an awful lot of it. Yeah. I mean, from what we've been able to tell in the past, you get like a little crystal, and it lasts yes. for a super long time. And it just it focuses the plasma from the matter and antimatter. But and like it's not it's not gasoline. Yeah, it has come up like three or four times in all of the Star Treks where they have needed more dilithium before yes. this point, and it's usually because they did some extreme thing like time warp, which messed up their messed crystals the crystals somehow. up. Yeah, and they got to get protons from from the USS Enterprise. Yeah, I don't, I don't. nuclear carrier, yeah. et cetera. <laughs> exactly. Right. So yeah. that that sucks to me. That's a world building problem more than an execution problem. All right. And, um, you know, it could have been better. I think it's also a little on the nose. The dude just straight up says the, the plot of the episode or says the what we take as the concept when he's sitting in her transporter bay. He basically yeah. just is like, oh, well, you know, we need to survive and this is what we do. And then, you know, I don't know. I just felt like I mean, it was look, that's, unspectacular. That's twice this week for me because I took the premise of the naked time to be a thing that Spock said outright. <laughs> that's the right. Time. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's fine. It's it wasn't it just wasn't anything special. So, uh, world building. Um, yeah. Oh, did I say what? Did we say we both said six for execution? We both give it sixes in that. I give it a five on world building. I got uh, they got a new kitchen. Yep. Um, which was the captain's private dining room. And boy, what a sacrifice she has to make. I I, I, I hope oh, shit. again. How entitled is that move? <laughs> this is my private dining room on this ship that has to make it home for seventy five years, and she's really put out about it too. She is, and I'm hoping it's intentional, but I'm not sure. I'm hoping it's so that you can see a change, but I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe she's. They just wrote her to be like that. I don't know. Um, some new aliens with new technology, which we've been talking about. It's always good when you meet a new alien species. That's probably the quickest way to flesh out that part of the galaxy, right? Yeah. Um, the idea that you still have to mine a bunch of shit. I think it comes up a few times in Star Trek, but... And that some things can't be replicated, which, again, also comes up a few times. Especially on Voyager, because they need to have reasons why they have shortages of things. Right. So you can't just replicate dilithium. So, um, But that's it. I mean, nothing groundbreaking or new. I gave it a five. Kind of feels charitable, but I'll just leave it. Yeah, I had also given it a five. Um, the only, only couple of things that you didn't mention, uh, sort of the, uh, the nature of the doctor's projection, which I don't think is characterization. I do think it's world building. Mm. Yeah. Um, the, the phage itself. Sure. Because we don't know that it's not going to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a, this is a pretty shitty disease and. Boy, everybody was super cavalier about standing in that transporter room with those falling apart dudes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, don't keep them behind a force field or bio screen or whatever. Just kind of stay in there with them. So again, not much, not much going on. I don't love the way the dilithium was handled, but it does sort of establish that they're going to need to keep getting resources. Yeah. I think dilithium was a poor choice, but whatever. Yeah. Because uh, they uh, still have fuel, right? I mean, aren't the thrusters... Aren't those, those are fueled in some manner, right? Yeah. And, and That's the feeling the, I've gotten in the past. 
That's what the red things on the front of the engines do, is they suck fuel in from space. They suck hydrogen in from space. Because in that... Oh, boy. I don't want to go too off-topic. In a TNG episode later, they have barrels of stuff that they use as thruster fuel. In the one in Disaster, when they have to decompress the shuttle bay. Is that shit labeled thruster fuel he, or something? He says what it is. Oh, okay. And that it's that it's thruster fuel or whatever. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, they still do have fuel in the future. Like, it's not like the Millennium Falcon where no one makes any attempt to explain yeah, cause it's a the space economy of space flight there. Yeah. They, they, they do touch on it every once in a while. Like, you know that it uses uh, deuterium and anti-deuterium, mm-hmm. uh, etc. Like, right. it's it's in there if you pay attention. So. so I give it a five and you gave it a five? I did. Uh, and I'm afraid that I only gave characterization of four. Okay. What it was... So do you want to go on your notes, or do you want me to go? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I didn't. first of all, I didn't think they were, uh, anyone was attempting to do much here. Right. Um, the big highlights were uh, Neelix's weird jealousy. He's a jealous which, lover. Which comes out, like, really only in the second half of the episode, and it seems out of nowhere because I don't feel like Neelix and Kessa's relationship has been well established at this point. I don't even get the feeling she really likes him. I mean, from what I've been able to tell, like, he saved her, and she's, like, traveling with him, but that he might think it's more than she does. Uh, Yeah, it it half feels that way. Yeah. But his weird fixation on Tom Paris uh, is odd. Um, And I guess it only only starts happening when he's confined to that bed, so it's probably just stress. The doctor's very impatient in this episode, which seems like a dumb quality to have programmed into an emergency medical hologram. Yep. Um... The the one thing that I liked, the reason that it's a four and not even lower, I think, is in the end, the way Janeway handles those aliens, like, mm-hmm. I mean, she does a Picard's We Have No Law to Fit Your Crime halfway. Yep. Except but it feels like less of a combat. it's really more like, well, uh, yeah, I guess I can't kill you. Like, <laughs> yeah, it feels I'm like not going to kill you to save Neelix. In this situation, and the way she puts it, it feels like less of a cop out than when Picard's like. It mm-hmm. is less of a. It is like Picard. You get the feeling like he's just. It, he just doesn't want it to be his problem, right? Whereas she knows that if she if she lets these guys go, Neelix is going to be uh, stuck in that iron lung. <laughs> yep. Let's be honest. Until there's a power failure and then he dies? Yeah. An issue that did not come up, but I was thinking about right away, like... They have it, like, every third episode, they get so beat up that the Holographic lungs, like... If that power goes out, whoops! Yeah. Um, so, like, she knew she was gonna have to deal with the consequences of this decision. So, that was the best aspect of characterization for me, I think. So Janeway's most of the reason I gave this as high as a seven. Okay. So she's pretty preachy for somebody who's already proven to play things kind of fast and loose. Um, uh, pretty preachy about these guys, but she is mad pragmatic about the circumstance. And that actually leads to the solution because she doesn't fucking harsh their buzz too much. And they're like, well, maybe we can help. Um, like sometimes shit doesn't go your way. And killing those gross dudes isn't going to, like, fix the problem. So she's just like, you know what? Shit. Like, (laughs) nothing can be done now. I don't want to travel around with you in my brig forever. This is stupid. So don't come back or whatever. And then they're like, okay, well, you know, since you're being nice, 
maybe we can help your uh, your bro out. But um, you know, other things. The doctor is uh, proving to be capable of more than the crew believes to this point. You know, he's creative and he can learn and and come up with solutions and stuff. So he's not just kind of like programmed with medical knowledge and that's it. It's true, and it sort of makes sense that Kess would be the one pushing it. Yeah. Because she's never seen a hologram. Like, this idea doesn't... Or, uh, not clear that she even understands computers. It's true. That is a good way to frame their relationship, is that she doesn't see him as being different, because what to her, he's not, you know? Yeah, whereas, you know, the the actual Voyager crew are not going to, like, push this guy in any way, because they're like, nah, that's just a dumb program. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So she's, you know, Cass is strong-willed or something. I don't really know what to make of her. And uh, Neelix is some kind of master chef or something. And he's also a jealous lover. So that's that's basically all the points I had on characterization. Uh, you've done it again. You pushed me up a point to a five. You you pulled four more points out of this episode for me. Well, I think when you add up my score, you'll see that this is the highest I've rated any episode so far. This is the highest you've rated any episode so far, and the total now is the highest of any episode. And I was but... so surprised because I did not enjoy the episode. Yeah, by the way, <laughs> didn't particularly like it. I didn't like it, and then I, when I just, I was thinking about it and writing my notes, I was going, well, I guess that's not so bad. Well, I guess that's not so bad. Uh, before we do your quick hitters, let's just do a quick check-in on Ben, since he was nice enough to send this shit in. Yeah. Uh, he gave this episode a nine. On characterization? No, no, a nine. Oh, nine total. That's yeah, what I gave, gave it, it a, for the take. A two for concept, mm. a one for execution. Boom. A three for world building, and a three for characterization. So we, I think we saw this episode in three different levels, and I was able to convince you to come closer to my level. But you were yeah. kind of you saw this in like the mid level where you were like, eh. You really got the most out of this episode for sure. Yeah. Um. Well, what I found was um, I shouldn't watch them all on the same day. Because <laughs> then, like, the last two or three, I'm like, I'm so sick of these fuckers. Yeah. Uh, quick hitters. Anything. Uh, those veggies in the hydroponics bay grew crazy fast. Crazy yeah. fast. Because he's already cooking up with a bunch of them. He's going to town on them. Yeah. It's not clear how much time has passed at all. Uh, also, Ensign Whatever, who he leaves in charge, is definitely going to burn the kitchen down. Oh, yeah, for sure. That guy has never worked in a kitchen. Also, good thing that guy has no duties to take care of. That guy may have never been around a fire. <laughs> he looked very confused about it. Again, there's an episode coming up in 20 weeks or whatever where Riker scrambles some eggs and everyone on the Enterprise wants to give him a blowjob. Oh, for sure. Even though the eggs are terrible. And by the way, they taste bad. Yeah. But they're, like, mad surprised <laughs> that he can cook. Yeah, what's that answer going to do? Yeah, and by the way, good thing that guy has no duties, because Neil is like, you're in charge, and right in front of Janeway, and he's just like, okay. I tell you exactly what he's going to do. He's going to leave, and that's going to be... So he's going to pull an O'Brien, <laughs> and that's going to become somebody else's problem. Exactly. He's like, eh, it's just lightning. Um, yeah, and I already said, these aliens just hide out. How do they know people will stop at the mine? Is this something all aliens need to mine? How do they know they won't come in force? Like, what if they send down a giant team for the mining operation? I guess yeah. they have... And then I, I answered my own question. Well, I guess they get a lot of organs that way. I guess they get. I guess they got no choice. Like, yeah, this, this, true. this is the plan they got. Uh, I would assume when the doctor says this sentence to me, that he's malfunctioning. When he said, his lungs have been removed, I'd go, well, let's just look at your program. See <laughs> yep. what's going on here. Obviously on. an issue. His lungs have not been removed. <laughs> um, uh, already talked about I mean, how... 
except yeah. for the part where he's clearly dying. Like that's the only thing that saves that. But yeah, no, I'd be like, well, okay, just gonna so turn you off for bugs. a minute. I'll... There's some bugs in this. Who on this ship can program a doctor hologram? <laughs> oh, nobody. They're all dead. Um. These again, these guys are the fastest fuckers that Starfleet has ever encountered because this is the fastest ship in Starfleet, and they have they're like can't keep up with them when they're running away. Yep, these guys are faster than the Borg. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, nobody. Although I guess we'll discover that the Borg are in this area, so you'd kind of have to be. Nobody else steps up to donate a lung to this loser Neelix. I think oh, they no, all gives a shit. I think they expected Kes to do it, but still, nobody made a move. Nobody moved a muscle. Yep, you didn't see Paris like, well... <laughs> no one had, like, had their hand half-raised or anything. Uh, that was it. That's all I had. Okay, why does the Doctor hate Tom Paris so much? The Doctor was programmed to have a bad attitude, but I think he and Neelix are keying on the same thing, that for some reason they see Tom Paris as some kind of romantic rival, which makes even less sense in the Doctor's case, because he doesn't even know he can have romance. Yeah. But he just like, sees him, it, and he sees, like, his his playboy attitude or whatever, and then he's like, fuck this guy. Like, did they give him a dick, or does it just end at his uniform? <laughs> That's right. What, like, would, what would be the point? There's nothing under that uniform. It's not, he's not a real person. <laughs> yeah. The uniform is the surface of him. Yeah. Um, is Does he hate Tom Paris because Tom Paris is so dumb that he believes holograms can't touch things, even after he's seen the doctor use, like, a hundred medical instruments? That could be why. Yeah, he is pretty dumb. Because that's, that's dumb. That's yeah. extremely dumb. Also, has he ever but been in a holodeck? But, I mean, you can touch all the things in there. Well, but wait, but those lungs aren't real. They're just holograms. <laughs> I mean, I know you're holding medical instruments <laughs> in the air right now. Right. Yeah, he's dumb um, as shit. So he deserved that slap in the face for sure, but the doctor hated him way before that. I was hoping he was going to go Kirk on him and slap him like 15 times in a row. Or do one of those Spock... Uh, <laughs> double-handed chops. Double-handed chops, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Later, they decided Spock could just knock someone out by pinching them. But in uh, so far, he's real good at delivering them hammers. I like them. Uh, So that was uh, that was Phage, and uh, I guess it's time to move on to Enterprise. Uh, we watched Unexpected. Matt, tell us about Unexpected. Um, I can't. I don't remember what it's about. You have to do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, when a series of malfunctions on Enterprise is revealed to be caused by a small ship hiding in their wake. Oh, right. I remember. I remember. Uh, turns out it's an alien ship, and um, Trip goes over to uh, help fix their problem that they're having, which is why they're leeching off the Enterprise. And uh, he uh, does hand sex with this lady, and he gets pregnant. And then the rest of the episode, they try to track this ship down so he can resolve this pregnancy issue. Um, and then in the end, there's some stuff where they run into Klingons, and it briefly gets scary. That's it? I mean, yeah. Can, <laughs> uh, I literally given... forgot when you said when you said the episode. I was like, oh, I don't even remember. No, that's it. Uh, given, given your ability to pull a diamond out of that last episode, can, can you tell me what the premise was here? Well, I gave it a three. I did have trouble. I said, be careful what you wish for. Because Trip always wants to go on the away missions. Constantly. Uh, that like, is true. He desperately wants to explore strange new worlds. And they finally let him go to, on one of these things. And, uh, of course, it turns out really bad for him because he, he gets a baby in him. Gets knocked <sighs> up. 
and now he's got to move to he's got he's got to move to Moscow or whatever. Yeah, you got me beat. I had space is weird, but that's that's better and it makes more sense. And uh, with the usual disclaimer that I have no idea if that's what they were going for. That's the best I could pull out of it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, all right. So I had it at a one, but I'm going to give it a three. The same score as you. Nice, because man. You found a premise and I just didn't. I'm making these Star Trek episodes so much more valuable. Um, Talking about execution. Yeah. Um, one thing. Uh, so I gave it a relatively low score. I gave it a four. Right. Um, I may have to rethink that, given that I've changed what the premise is, but as far as the general execution of the episode, when it was revealed that they were in, that the ship was in the same situation with the Klingon ship, I was morally certain that these guys were pulling a Samaritan snare. Yeah, right? Like, oh, here they are, back up for the same old tricks. Oh, they're scammers. Oh, and by the this way, they is, knocked they're me They're doing up. scams on the Klingons. The same scams they did on the Enterprise, they've probably knocked Klingon up, too. That's right. Uh, but no one in the show, as far as I can tell, even had the thought for a second that that might be happening. So, F-. minus. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I give it a 5. I just, I didn't think enough happened or that the stakes were high enough to matter. Yeah, because matter. really, the, the stakes for... For Tucker, where he's embarrassed. Yeah, and it, over and over again throughout the episode, he gets embarrassed, and I was like, "That's it." They do. They treat this pregnancy really strangely. Where do they mention there's a medical reason why he has to keep the baby? No. That's I kept thinking about it, and I thought maybe I'd missed it, but I was just like, they never even talk about like aborting the baby. Yeah, not a, not not one mention. Which, Even Doctor Flocks, who has been shown to be fairly callous, yeah, is like it's just nothing. Like there should have been like the next generation was brave enough to tackle this idea. Yeah, and it's like they had Worf shout that the pregnancy should be terminated. Um, I mean that hasn't happened yet in this series, but it's right. it's coming soon. Like, he's a human with an alien baby. They didn't even know it was possible. Who knows what health ramifications there are. He didn't an know alien, he was having an alien sex. baby that cannot survive in their atmosphere. Right, exactly. He didn't know he was having sex, so he obviously didn't consent. Right. He, oh, for sure he was raped. Yeah. 100% raped. He was hand-raped. So, yeah. so, you know, so I'm just... Yeah, but look, that's sex for them. He was just regular raped. And if anybody is listening to this, if anybody's bothering to listen to this episode who has not been, basically they stuck their hands into these little pebbles and some lightning shot again, like O'Brien's lightning. And, um... Or no, maybe that was when they were feeding each other or whatever. But anyway, uh, just by sticking your hand in these pebbles, he got hella pregnant. Yep, that doesn't... I mean, that's nonsense, but whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it also makes them telepathic. I... Apparently yeah. there are crystals that can make you telepathic. We yeah. see it in... Oh, fuck. Man of the People? What's the name of that episode? Uh, Man of the People, yeah. That is one where, they, where they, he uses that crystal to sap their energy or whatever. Or their yeah. temperament. And these now they've got these rocks that let you read each other's mind. Well, let's keep looking then. Come on, geologists, what have you done? Yeah, so, I mean, technically that's world building. That's true. But we're still, we're still talking about execution. Yeah, so anyway, I just I didn't think the stakes were high enough for my concept, the be careful what you wish for concept, to really matter at all. I did think it was weird how quickly they threw those dudes under the bus, though. 
they were just like, hey, Klingons, you've been known to be very patient in our few dealings with you. These shit, these, there are these guys behind you that are fucking up your shit. Like, how do they know the Klingons were just going to blow them up? I mean, they did fire on them. Yeah. They just, just totally threw one of the bus. Well, they don't know. I mean, aside from T'Pol, they don't know shit about the Klingons. Well, they met him in episode one, and they seemed like dicks. They met him for one minute. They were, like, in the Great Hall, and they, like, threatened him, like, never come back, or they'd get killed or whatever. Yeah. I'm just saying. I, I He's just, like, he totally blew up that those alien spot right there. Mm. So, anyway. Um, so, you gave it a four, I gave it a five. Yeah. World building. Okay. So, this was the highest score of the episode for me, because I gave it a six for world building. Okay. Um, there, we did see some things here. We saw uh, Plomeek broth. That's right. right? Yep. So we know Vulcans are going to eat that Plomeek soup later. That's right, yep. Uh, introduction of holodecks. Yep. A lot of talk about how the gravity plating works in the in the cold intro. Like, we get some understanding of how gravity is generated on the ship. Which is an otherwise useless intro, again. I yep. don't know why we have these bad teasers. It's just they oh, wanted to show you get a sexy Scott Bakula That's shower. Exactly it. They wanted to show how sexy Bakula was, which, as a man, I find hard to understand. Yeah, but I mean, I, that must have been part of the success of Quantum Leap, right? I guess. I mean, so all of the ladies who had sexual awakenings to Quantum Leap probably enjoyed that. <laughs> you know, both of those ladies. That's right. <laughs> um, polarizing the hull in place of shields. Right. Yep. Technology uh, is different. And these, uh, of course, these benevolent lizard people. I mean, aside from the super rapiness. Yeah. How did she not think that was... She's like, oh, I didn't know I could get you pregnant. I mean, I knew uh, the but thing... she knew it was sex. I knew the thing I was doing was sex and gets my people pregnant, but I just uh, didn't know yeah. I could put a baby oh, in Oh, I didn't you. know you could get pregnant, but I did know I was doing sex with you and I did not... And I just pretended we were playing a game. Yeah, exactly. So I for sure raped you. But, yeah, the pregnancy was a little bit of a shock. Yeah. Um, yep, so that's true. Um, but, yeah, so, like I said, the, the, they did some world-building work here, so it's about a six for me. I give it a five. Um, so, again, actually showing how alien an alien ship can be was kind of new, what with all the uh, fucking drugged-out distortion effects and everything they were giving us. Just showing yeah. that going on an alien ship, in this series at least, is going to, you'll just be able to see how different it is. Yeah, it's the first time in Star Trek that it's ever seemed like there's a difference. Yeah. Like, do we never see this race again? We know why we never see this race again in terms of production, right? Because yes. this is the last show that was filmed. Yes. But, like, could the in-universe explanation for never seeing these people again be, well, you have to go through, like, a long decompression and drug period before you can hang out with them, so, like, yeah. they mostly do their own thing. <laughs> That's right, they stay away from people. <laughs> like, like the... we never see the dolphins on the Enterprise D either, because it's yeah. like, eh. They're there, but, like, you couldn't just hang out with them. No. Um, another thing, like, you talked about holodecks. Guess what? Holodecks are going to be old news to the crew of this Enterprise long before they are invented as we have previously understood things. Because yep. that's what this show does. Yeah, we've seen for sure how people have fun on Kirk's Enterprise. They fence, they tumble in corridors, <sighs> they do jujitsu, they just... play 3D chess, and... And they water plants, I guess. Just trying to keep this project, you know, on the level and not not trying to grade on based, based on what I know happens later. But 
it gets super old how often Enterprise sells out a concept of another show by making it appear way earlier than it ever should have. And then later when it's the first time they've encountered something or first time they've heard of something in one of the other series, now it's kind of ruined. You're like, what? This doesn't make sense. What happened? Yeah, Riker's delight at the holodeck and Data's Mm -hmm. explanation of how it works is kind of nonsense at this point. It turns out 200 years before that, they had already run into people who had it. How did they not come up with one? Anyway, ugh. Like, uh, I get that Archer is not by the book. Like, he's not a rules and regulations guy, but does he write this down? Like, is anyone writing it down? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, none of this makes sense if they write it down. If they write it down, this doesn't make sense. Um, But that's pretty much all I had. I mean, I I don't know. It's all right. Five. So then the perpetual weakness of this show, characterization. You mean because even when they do character work, you hate them so much? I mean, basically. So, like, for me, this episode is more of Tucker's distrust of T'Pol. Right. And more of Phlox's complete lack of a bedside manner. Right. And everyone else might as well not be in the episode. Yeah. What'd you give it? Oh, it's a three for me. Give it a five. T'Pol doesn't like to try new things, but Phlox is down. He is down. He's down to clown. Paul also likes needling Tucker, and she butts into people's conversations a lot. So I don't like yep. her much. Um, Tucker really wants to check out new ships, new alien ships, and new planets, kind of like Phlox, but he he isn't awesome at keeping things strictly professional. Because even if he does not have sex with that lady, it gets a little personal. He knew he was. Yeah, he was flirting. He for was sure. right up on a line with her. Yeah, with the hand feeding and asking and... for more hand feeding. He's yes, like, "Could you do that and... some more?" It's like, "Dude, come on!" Like they're just constantly hanging out with her the entire time he was there. Yeah. Um, also, he's from the south. In case you didn't know, he likes catfish. Yep. I don't know if you knew he's from the south. Um, I'm not sure they've I mentioned it. Um, and that was it. I only had, it's mostly a Tucker episode. Everyone else is only kind of in it. You know what? I'm taking mine down. I'm giving it a four. It's a four now. Okay. Now that I think about it. And that's it. That's all I had. Uh, I mean, I got quick hitters, but unless you want to, you want to do the math or. I've done the math. Matt, would you describe that as the best episode of Enterprise so far? Oh God, did that rate us the best episode so far? Yeah, it beat the pilot by a point. (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, so, um, I gave it a 16. Um, got two bonus points because you talked up, you gave me a better premise than what I was able to find. Yeah. Um, uh, and you gave it a 17, so that's a 33. Wow. Which is the new Enterprise high score. And that's a shitty score, uh, and that is the that is the high. It's also Enterprise. the worst uh, episode of the week by 16 points. Oh but boy. The, again, Voyager had something real weird happen this week. Yeah. Where an episode that neither one of us liked was the clear winner. Yeah. It just in terms of what they put out there. You know what I mean? The art yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. Um Quick hitters? God, that's it's a, so weird to say. I know. I well I was very surprised after I did after I did my scores, I looked at it and I went, Oh, that's weird. Uh quick hitters, sure, I got a few. Uh fucking CG eels in that <sighs> ship. Yeah. So bad. Yes. Um, Wait until you see the Council of Doom in season three um, with the CGI fish, <laughs> CGI fish people. That's all I'm going to say. 
This lizard woman has a pouch on her belt that's the exact shape of the holodeck remote. <laughs> there you go. She just carries it around all well, day. Well, she's in there and she pulls that remote out. It's like a weird pentagon, like an like an irregular pentagon. And then she puts it in a pouch that's the shape of an irregular, this exact self-same irregular pentagon. And I'm just like, so... Yeah, dude. Maybe that um, maybe that so, holodeck remote is like a USB drive or something, and they all just carry all their data around on it. Their program. I mean, yeah. There's and... no reason to believe that couldn't be a pad or something, right? Like, <laughs> right. Such a pad. They, they use those for everything on the next generation. So, but yeah. But it's, I was just like, huh. That <laughs> seems unlikely that she's just got that holster. Yeah. <laughs> sitting there on her pouch, and the knowledge crystals. <laughs> yeah, aquarium, aquarium gravel. gravel, and that really was aquarium gravel. For sure. So and the knowledge uh, crystals, uh, aquarium gravel. So bad, bad news, Enterprise. Shambrain uh, beat you to it. That's right. God, so um, much. Shambrain yeah. would have gotten a way higher score too. It was gonna be a quick hitter, but it it came up anyway. So Oolong didn't know Tucker could get pregnant, but that was one hundred percent sex for her. Yep. I'm guessing that will never come up again. I'm sure it won't. He will, no one will ever talk about the time he that got he got practice. raped on the ship. It will not affect him in any way. Yep. Uh, it's not a big deal. That's it's right. just nothing. It's just a whole bunch of nothing for no reason. It's the so. entire plot of this episode, and you can tell it is no big deal because it never comes up again. So what a waste. What a waste of an episode. Yeah. Totally wasted. Yeah. Quick hitters for you. Uh, we already talked about Bacula and the sex teaser, which I is just. I'm tired of the nothing teasers. Like, you only have 40 minutes. What are you doing? Um, why doesn't Archer ask the engineering questions to the engineer? He, like, spends a lot of time asking Reed how much damage it'll cause if they ignite their plasma, and uh, Tucker's standing right there. Yep. And I just thought, I mean, he's weird. not the weapons guy, but that's not a weapon. It's not a weapons question. It's, like, yeah. literally, a, like, a damage que- like a damage control question. Uh, I'm really mad about the Universal Translator, and I wish they would stop it. Just, Just stop it. Just stop it. How does it understand their entire language after hearing the exact same sentence five times in a row? Uh, yeah. He just repeats one sentence five times. You, How would you ever learn what any of those mean in context? Ugh. Just ignore it, you stupid dumb fuck writers. Just ignore, like the other shows do, ignore the Universal Translator. Just go, there's a Universal Translator, and then don't talk about it anymore. Because if you try to, it's not going to make any sense. <coughs> um... Uh, let's see, uh, this is has shades of that Red Dwarf episode Marjan really likes, where uh, Lister gets pregnant. Future Echoes? Oh no, it's not, it's um, Dimension Jump or something. No, yeah, what the fuck what, is it called? Whichever one it is where they meet the lady versions of themselves and he gets pregnant. Um, I did find it actually, I did actually laugh at something that I think that was supposed to be intentionally funny, so they, I guess they should get points somewhere for that. The way Trip delivers the line, we took a ride in a rowboat, actually made me laugh. <laughs> uh, I guess that would seems... have to be execution points, so I hope you factored it in. <laughs> he just seems so put out by having to have this conversation. Uh, I actually thought the handrail thing that he's going on about in engineering was a good point. It did look dangerous to your fingers. That shit was dangerous as hell. I, yeah, I cannot. Do they just? There's no OSHA in the future. It would be supernatural to put your hands on that, and they would definitely get cut off. And the other guy looks at him like it's nothing. He's like, "What are you talking about? That's stupid." Yeah, that's an insane design on that little elevator. Your hormones are making you act crazy, and it's like, no, nah, I mean that seems super unsafe. Um, and uh, to Paul, I don't know. She 
she does what she always does. She lies or exaggerates or omits in order to um, to save their ass with the Klingons, and just showing early this thing that we have learned about the Vulcans in the past that they lie like all the time, just every episode. Yep. And then say they don't lie. <clears throat> anyway, that's it. Yeah. So again, the winner this week, uh, Phage with uh, forty nine, also um, had the best score for both of us for premise. Mm. And for execution. Wow. Well, it was the winner. The best, the best score for us for world building uh, was also unanimous. It was the last outpost. And, yeah. Uh, characterization we split. You had Phage again and I had the naked time. So, yeah, 49 points, which is the new best episode Oh, my so God. Far. That's so weird. So the <laughs> top episode of this project for us, a Voyager episode we did not like. That's right. <laughs> um... Does that mean we have bad criteria? No, it proves our objectivity, I think. Well, yeah, sure. We were just like, we are looking at this um, from a real academic standpoint, I think. And our personal feelings about our enjoyment of the episode doesn't factor in to the quality of the art that is being produced. Art. Yep. That's Voyager's first win. So after four weeks of this project... The original series is ahead with two wins, and the next generation and Voyager each have one. DS9 and Enterprise still at uh, still at zero. And just but, a reminder uh, that Ben had the episode we thought won as a nine overall. He had it as a nine. Uh, right. That was his lowest score of the week. That's right. So we we diverged quite a bit from Ben. Uh, he had Enterprise at ten, Babel at twelve, Last Outpost at twenty-two, and the Naked Time at thirty which would be the highest score an episode has gotten if we had given it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, your 27 this week is the highest overall of any episode. Well, there you go. Uh, but my 24 is the highest I had given for the Naked Time is the highest I had given to an episode so far. So we both had... Um, this was this was on average just a much better week. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, again, we gave that Enterprise episode 33. Last week we gave the Voyager episode time and again 23. I will say the episode I enjoyed the most this week was the last outpost. Um, Yeah, I and that was second place. I think it's a uh, treat. We both gave it pretty good scores. I think it, no matter what I think of its quality, I think it is a treat to watch. <clears throat> so, so. Um, for uh, the next time we, we get together and do this... Mm-hmm. Uh, we have for the original series, the enemy within. I think that is a two Kirks episode. Ooh, maybe some are there goatees in this episode. I don't know if this is a goatee episode or, or if just this a is, two um, Kirks. Okay, transporter weak Kirk, mean Kirk. Oh, I hope it's that one. I remember that one. <laughs> um, that one has a lot of great specific light cast on Kirk's eyes, which is <laughs> yes. always a delightful technique. This love one it. could score high. <laughs> I love stage lighting. I, I think this one has potential. Or maybe it'll score low, but we'll agree that we enjoyed it the most. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, we have where no one has gone before. Okay. Um, my prediction is that this one is going to score high for me on world building because it has a huge concept in it. Sure it does. And they even say uh, it with their mouths. They do. They say it right with their mouths. Uh-huh. Um, we have Captive Pursuit for Deep Space Nine. I think I remember. I think that's Tosk. That one might be Tosk. Yeah, it's yeah. Tosk. Uh, for Voyager, the cloud. This is a no clue. This is an episode about distributed computing. Nice, good. Glad uh, they tackled it early in the nineties. And for Enterprise, Terra Nova. All right. Well, no idea. Yep. 
I don't know anything about Enterprise. I've literally never seen them before. So. Yeah. Uh, that's what's coming up if you want to play along. Again, the spreadsheet is available if you want to see how everything is doing or if you need a, a refresher. And uh, I will repeat again that the episode's coming up in next week's regular mailbag slash whatever we want to talk about podcast. Yep, sorry for the delay. We had some unexpected uh, issues that uh, delayed this pod, but we'll try to keep on schedule. Yeah. As if anyone but, cares. Uh, uh, we both started new jobs, so finding the time to do this is a little trickier, but yeah. we're going to stick with it. And uh, you can find us uh, at BrotherDate brotherdate.com oh, sorry you can tweet us at brotherdate you can find us at brotherdate.com subscribe do your thing and we will uh, see you guys soon I gave the human that answer <laughs>